street gospel, light of the temple. Saw swing, killer live from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Blackberry on the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One. And this is episode number. Yo, Cam, what episode is this? 71? This is episode 71. If you saw our last episode, it was with Jay Gothier Jr. Uh, dude is was fun. Uh, knew his stuff when it came to money and sports and just and God. Solid dude, man, that still gives back uh, in his home church with his mom and dad. That They're the pastors and gets a lot of good advice for money. Uh, you know, when you, when you grow up in the hood, like most of us, you don't really know about money. Nobody teaches you about money. Uh, nobody helps you. No, nobody knows about money. They think they know about money, but they don't. But Jay broke it down for us. So if you haven't watched that podcast, make sure you go back, watch that podcast. Uh, Jay's legit. All right. With that said, check it out. Subscribe button. So if you're watching us on YouTube right now, hit that little subscribe button, that little bell right there subscribe i mean we need people to subscribe if you like the podcast please share with somebody uh make sure they check it out and then if you're watching on spotify or listening to us on any other platform subscribe 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 but enough of that we're we're gonna get started here and uh i'm i'm pretty excited about this guest today so we met at church uh, she is a great friend to many women. She's a great friend to my wife, so she's a great friend. She's a woman of God. I like her because she's real, and I feel I, she's fun. Every time I see her, she's fun. Has a smile on her face. She's a boss at work. I mean, she handles her business. Uh, a great woman. So I want to welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast, Miss Lindsay Costa. Oh, dude, thank you so much for that intro. Thank you. Thank you. Very grateful to be here. I'm glad you came. Yes, I'm nervous, but I, I've learned a long time ago when God gives you an opportunity, you don't say no to it, regardless of how scared you are. So, Were you really scared? Oh, dude, I don't got social media. So this like, and I've seen your, like, you got a good number on you on the on the following. So I was like, oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. What is the story with you in social media? Okay, because it was funny because, you know, you 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 went to 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 dinner with my wife. You guys had a great time. You've been in church, and so I'm like, hey, I was just thinking to myself, hey, you know, yeah. I'm I'm gonna look for Lindsay on. Uh, she's got, and I'm like, so maybe oh, they they'll, they'll have her. So I think I looked up like on Eileen's friends and Mark's friends, and then some other church people friends and Rachel, and then Melissa, and I'm looking at all, and I'm like. Wait a minute. And then I came home and was like, no, she doesn't have social media. So what is the story? Dude, I'm that? like a CIA agent. You know what I mean? I, yeah. was, like, I was like, if you want to Google my name, you're that's like, that's unheard nothing. of. Yeah, exactly. it's, one thing, it's one thing to have an account yeah. and never never post, right? Yeah. And you're just creeping on everybody's page. Oh, that's my grandma, by the way. Social media was made for my 82-year-old grandma. She's like, I get Mine to too. just kick it and watch everybody's business. I was like, oh, Lord. Oh, my grandpa's like that, too. He, yeah. He has one. He's like 84. Five, probably. right? And I I'm was like, out, and he posts his, but he posts his pictures, dude. Same, and she does like unauthorized. You're like, <laughs> like mid chew, you know what I mean? And you're just like, bro, all my chins are there. Like you're, you're that's where, but you know, my grandpa posts his pictures, and he's like, and it's random, and I'm, and he's like, this is, this is my son, and I'm, and Melissa's like, 
is proud. Who? No. Oh. She's oh. like, <laughs> do you know this guy? And I go, I, I've never seen that dude in my life. She goes, I thought your grandpa only had two sons. I go, yeah, my dad and my Uncle Paul. That's it. I don't know those people. He must have like a third family or somewhere oh, hiding or something like that. Oh, snap. So it's, it's, it's strange. Love you, Grandpa Ralph. Yeah, you're right. But, I know. Grandma, same thing. Throw on the bike. <laughs> so, so no social media. No social media. You know. Okay, tell me what's the story on that. All right. I'm going to show my age a little bit on this. So oh. I remember when social media came out and I was, we'll go into my story, but I was partying at a very, very young age. Okay. So I was probably like in high school, I want to say, when social media came out. We got a computer at our home because my aunt bought it for me thinking I was going to use it for school. No. And so, like, I just remember, like, I thought it was the weirdest thing because, one, look, the way I was raised, my dad was from the hood. My mom was super paranoid. So I just kind of always was, like, watching my surroundings, not wanting really people in my stuff. And then uh, with the social media, and I'm not capping on anybody that has it. For businesses, it's great. Like, all that stuff aside. Right. But when it first came out, it was MySpace. At least that's what I remember everyone yeah. saying. I'm like, so you just sit at home pretending to have a life? And, like, it was the weirdest thing to me because I was out partying. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, actually go live it. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was just out. And then, dude, I loved a flip phone. I, I was, like, anti-iPhone because I knew my face was going to hit the keys. Like, I was not good with the whole touch screen. Wow. Oh, dude, I'm talking, it was, I'm old school when it comes to that. So I think for me, the more it started increasing, like the weirder it got for me, where I'm just like, then because of my choices in life, I was like, I don't want nobody (laughs) knowing where I am or or who I am. So I'm very big when I have a saying, I go, if you want to be in my life, you have my phone number straight up. You want to send me pictures, text it to me. If I want to send you pictures, I text it to you. But for the most part, a lot of people that I'll talk to or whatever, a lot of their fights come from social media and I'm, True. And I'm like, you know, it's not True. a real world, right? Like, like it's not a physical human being. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I just say communication, it has a lot to do with just the other than words. It's your body language, your tone of voice. So to me, if you think about like a bad text, you got imagine bad posts, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, to me, I like to keep it simple in my life. Do you have a small circle? As far as a close, close net, oh yeah, yeah, it's very, yeah, very small. It's like my three, I, and I'm gonna. Bl- I told him I'm gonna blast him right now because there's such a big part of my story. But Rachel Lindbergh, you had her here. So Rachel was on here. Great yes. episode. She's like straight up my spiritual mom, hands down. Dope. And then uh, Betty and Courtney, they're like my, my okay. yeah, they're like my ride or dies right there, my two girls. And so and it's funny because me and Betty are like the complete opposite. We call each other yin and yang. But yet we're founded in Christ. So yeah, you guys are always together. Always together. She's a little bit more cool, calmer, I should say, than you. Oh, for sure. I, I, that's the vibe I got. Dude, we are okay. yin and yang. We joke about that all the time. <laughs> but she was actually the very first human being I met at at the time. It was Praise Chapel. At church, yeah. Yeah, okay. so God, like, he, like, because when I went, I was not looking to make friends or do the church so, thing. So you're totally... Uh, you you seem like a social person, but yeah. from the sounds of this right now, it seems <laughs> you're like you're not social. So I'm very social. Okay. I'm outgoing. I was raised in a big family, partying all the time. I, I learned how to adapt in any situation. Okay. That was something that I actually had kind of no choice growing up. But there is a side to me that, I mean. That you leave for. For, yeah, like I don't, I don't believe, like. When I do testimonies or when I'm counseling or helping somebody, I'll open up. That, that's that's a, a mutual exchange of right. vulnerability, right? Yeah. But as far as 
putting everything like, out just there. to put it out there that's not my vibe I, I, that's just not my thing i'm, I'm I, like yeah i think yeah yeah i think there has to be some i i think that's the thing you have to leave some sort of mystery in your life oh yeah because i think when like even now when i go out to eat with people sometimes people will not ask me like how's the podcast mm. or it, oh, you're into jujitsu? Like, what's going? And it's weird. And yeah. I almost think, like, at first I'd be like, "Are they just not interested?" And then I used to, then I started thinking, like, maybe the people are just uh, they see it already, yeah, because I posted it, yeah. So they don't ask. So, but sometimes I get a little offended. So sometimes, like, there's some people on my social media that don't deserve. <laughs> to be- it's like you get in the boot. Well, they, the th- there's a there's a thing on Instagram where you have yeah. close friends, right? Yeah. And, and you only allow them to see the close stuff. Yeah. And I feel like those close friends are are will like will really like like what you post yeah. or maybe ask you a question about it. But sometimes it's like you know, yeah, there's random stuff that I'll put on there. But there is some personal stuff, and I'm like, yeah, they don't need to know everything that I'm doing. And that's the thing, right? That's kind of what I look at it as. It's like you you don't. I'm not a product, right? Like to get access yeah. to me whenever and or to even say, Oh, I want to see who you are. I'm like, right. If you want to see who you are, do what me and Melissa did. We'll go have a six hour, you know what I mean? A dinner, by the way, which was hilarious. She was like, my family thinks I'm kidnapped. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was like, she left and I was like, all right, have a good time. Yeah. And I'm like, then it was like, 7 30 i'm like oh yeah she should be on her way back home yeah. then it was like 9 30 yeah. and i'm like yo and i tell ash i said hey can you text your mom for yeah. me so then she's like oh yeah she's still there and not just still there what the heck and then and then i'm like i'm going to bed yeah 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 right and it was like it had to be like almost 11 Dude. It was late. It, and I, we and I literally like, we realized what time it was when people were like, you could tell the workers were closing up shop. <laughs> we were like, oh, snap. and that's like the inside joke. If I'm gonna keep it real, they're always like, oh, if you're gonna have lunch or dinner with Lindsay, like clear your schedule. Yeah. To me, I go deep right off the bat. Like I'm one of those people. I could do surface. I do it in business all the time. But if I'm gonna spend time with you and I'm actually gonna, you know what I mean, go right. that route. I want to know you know you. I yeah. don't want to know what you're presenting me. I want to know who you are. And I'm. In, it's a mutual thing. I'm going to show you who I am. And I just love your wife, by the way. Like, in, I told her, I go, instantly when I first met her, super sweet. She's cool, huh? Dude, you can see the fruits of the spirit right through her, the kindness, the gentleness. And she's just, she feels safe immediately. Yeah. And, um, sorry, I'm, I talk with my hands a lot, so I hope I'm not, like, messing up no sound. But um, no, 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 that's fine. All right, <laughs> but... When we when we finally got to sit down and talk, and we've been talking for since you guys came to church, like, oh man, we should go to lunch, dinner, da da da. And then we had a little exchange at one of the um, women's things, and then that's when we're like, no, let's do this. You know what I mean? Especially when you let's asked go. me to do this, I was like, oh no, girl, I want to talk to you first before you know <laughs> we, we go any further with the podcast. Well, yeah, I figured it, yeah. it was going to be good if she spent that much time yeah. with you. I yeah. mean, it, that was like, okay, they're yeah. vibing. It, yeah. it, it, it must be a good thing. Oh, she's awesome. So dude. I was like, okay. She's awesome. So you, That's guys, all- are, you guys are a great couple. Thank you. Yes. I mean, we try. We yeah. try. Okay. So where did you grow up? All over the place, if I'm going to be honest with you. So this this question always tricks me up because so when I was young, like I'm going to say before 12 years old, my, my, fen- my fundamental years, it was split up. So my parents divorced when I was like three. So cognitively from whatever I remember. So my dad grew up in Paramount Compton area. So okay. he hood hood. We're talking like used to throw bones with shot collars at very big clubs, <laughs> if you will. You know what I mean? And and then you got my mom 
my mom's side of the family, like my grandfather, my would be like at Watts. They grew up in um, like Compton, all these different places. And then when she was younger, because there was three of her girls at the time, they moved to downtown Fullerton. Okay. So I say Fulas. So they went to downtown Fulas, and my grandma still lives there. So when they divorced, me and my mom, bro, it was crazy. That's my Mexican. So I'm Mexican Italian. That's one thing I loved about your wife too. Like right off the bat, we sat down. She was like, "What are you?" <laughs> What are you? I was you? like, I know I look white. Trust me, I'm very aware of that. I didn't think you looked I, I, okay. a little white. Okay. A little white. But yeah. not not all the way white. Yeah. I was thinking like, okay, what yeah, what is it? It depends on how much highlights I get. You know what I mean? That, so that, what that's did, what did you call yourself when you walked in? Oh, a spicy meatball. The spicy. That, that that's 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 it right there. And so I'm Italian Mexican and on my mom's side, you know, we when we moved in my grandma's, it was like my grandma, grandpa, my three uncles, and my aunt eventually moved in, two dogs from the pound and canaries. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like <laughs> a gang of us squished in this, like, four-bedroom, two-bath kind of pad, and it was like Hunger Games over there. You know what I mean? And then I go visit my dad on the weekends, and we go down to Paramount area, and that was a whole different vibe. You know, my dad had 38 snub nose, put in my hand to make sure I wasn't scared. My Uncle Donnie sleep with the shotgun. Uh, you know, it was just a totally extreme, uh, different thing in a sense of my mom's side was more like partying and all that stuff. And my dad was more like that. He wanted to teach me how to defend myself. He wanted, and we had, I mean, me and my pops had fun too. Are you only child? That I thought I was. I recently found out. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a person that when I do something, I'm going to double down on it. But uh, yeah, I recently found out I do have a half sibling. Okay. Um, That's like a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, younger than me. So I always joked and said I was an Irish twin. But um, but yeah, so that, so that's, but for the most part, I thought I was an only child. But I grew up with uncles that were only about 13 years older than me. Okay. So I, they, I know how that goes. Yeah. So I was like a little sister. And yeah. I mean, they tortured me like one. I mean, that must was, be on your Mexican side because that's oh. it's pretty popular. Oh. You have your tia, and she's younger than you sometimes. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? bro. I'm telling you right now, I was raised by probably every single member of my family. Like, oh, wow. every single one of them had a hand, like, yeah, and totally raising me. So, so that's pretty extreme. Yeah, pretty extreme. Pretty extreme. Uh, different culture, different way of getting raised, half and half. Fundamental years, right? 12 years old hits. Okay. And my mom, so I went to elementary school, totally opposite where my mom worked in Cyprus. And by then they like got real crazy with the zip codes because we're using my great grandma's zip code. And they were like, you either got to go to Hawaiian gardens. That was pretty much the only area that my mom come forward. Good old, good old Hawaiian gardens. Bro. She looked at me. She's like, you're going to be in a gang. So she's like, we need to (laughs) not go there. And so my aunt, um, her sister was already living in Placentia, and it was a suburban area. She goes, dude, come down. I found you a spot. Dude, rent back then was like a G a month. I was like, dude, I pray to God that comes around. But, you know, so we moved there. So I get pulled from friends, um, living with seven people and just constant craziness to like now it's just me and my mom. Oh, wow. And we're in this little place. My mom hated it. It was like like avocado green stove. My mom was the queen of like contact papering everything, putting carpet on <laughs> carpet because it was just two, you know, two of us. And uh, so I got pulled into Placentia and it was like suburb to another level. I mean, that's going from the hood Bro. to big time suburb. That's why when people are laughing, like, oh, you're white. I go, no, no, no. I've seen it. I go, I go, I stuck out. Like I felt immediately like this was not, 
Because even like the finances, just everything, I, I was just, I'd never seen that in my life. Even my dad, when he used to pick me up, he was like, dude, he goes, I've never seen people just wave at me for no reason, like to genuinely be <laughs> <laughs> like it freaked him out. It, it you is, know what I mean? It is true. Yeah, it, it is true. It, 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 when you grow up in the hood and then you grow, move to a better neighborhood and your and your neighbors wave to you, I go, Bro. "Hey, how's it going?" You're like, "What do you want?" I'm like, not kidding. Right? That was me and my mom. We had two neighbors try to cut, and we were so suspect of them. We're like, "Like, why are you coming over here?" Like, we did not understand yeah. that. I was like, "No, we're good. Thank you. Have a nice day." And I wasn't trying to be rude. It was just. It's it's the it way weird. you're raised. Yeah, it's it was just weird. Di- it's, it's just different. Totally I mean, different. The neighborhood we live in, it's 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 different. I mean, it's it's cool. Yeah. But I, I mean, you still have. I, I, you know, I've been out of the out of the hood for a long time. Yeah. So, but still, you have those little things. You know, like who's parked in front of the house right now, bro? Why, why are they sitting in their car? You just What's named my yeah. grandmother's biggest oh. pet peeve. Okay, so, <laughs> you can't laugh at this. There's been two dudes that pull up. And the park ran in front of the house, right? Oh, no. And uh, uh, me and Cam, Cam would be like, what's up with those dudes? And then so I, I didn't notice them. He noticed them right away. Yeah. So then I was like, I don't know. I'm going to go outside and water the grass. So I'm watering the grass. Tell me about look, the car. Look, looking at them. And I'm, and they, they, they just sat there, right? So then uh, finally they were parked a little bit a little bit down. I'm more on the neighbor's side. And uh, so I was like, okay. So yeah. I went, I got out of my truck, work truck, and I walked over there and I was like, and I knocked on the window, like, hey man, what's up? What are you guys doing? Yeah. And, and, oh, oh, um, 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 um. And then I looked at them and they had ties on and, and white shirts. So they were Mormons. Stop it. <laughs> so they're like, I go, oh, you guys are Mormons, huh? And he's like, yeah, um, we're just waiting for so-and-so down the block and we have a meeting with her every week and that's what, and I was like, oh, because I never, I always see you guys parked right here, so I was wondering what what, you, what were you guys up to? I mean, in good neighborhoods, you don't you don't really do that, right? Dude, in bad neighborhoods, you're like rolling up to the car. So it, I'm like. That's yeah. an issue, and that's funny you even said with the Mormon. When I first came to Placentia, See, I was used to Jehovah Witnesses. That's what I was used to. Like, literally out of the movie Friday. It was yeah. not even my grandma. But my, that was Saturday mornings. Dude, that was what I got. And you knew it. And you're just like, yeah, no, we're good. You know what I mean? You close the door, you're done. Yeah. I will never forget my first encounter with Mormons. I was 15. I was by, I was a latchkey kid at 12 because my mom, she worked till like 10. And, so sometimes I didn't. I basically ran my own. I knew how to live on my own since I was 12. Oh, wow. And so I didn't see my mom sometimes the next day. And um, I just remember I was by myself. Mind you, my parents raised me paranoid. I'm talking like, look all the ways. I mean, you know, I'm talking, my dad, I mean, I, I have, you should see my keychains that my dad's giving me. He's like, oh, they're not brass knuckles. You could say it's a, oh, <laughs> like, God. like, I mean, just crazy stuff. So I get these two dudes knocking on the door. And we got like the Compton screen door. Okay. Like the whole thing. Yeah. I get my dog. And I'm just like, yeah, hey, can I help you? And and it's true. They're just looking at you, smiling, and they're asking me a bunch of questions. And I was like, uh, I like lied. I was like, oh, someone's coming over, like da da da, right? Yep. I flip out. I call my friend. She lives across. Street. I go, dude, get your butt over here. I see these two dudes that look like children of the corn just staring at me, asking <laughs> me about my dog. I was like, I need you to roll up ASAP. And her, and, the, and she had a friend in the back. She was rolling. I go, why is her? Why is she laughing? She goes, dude, they're from my church. They're blah blah blah. Oh, I was like. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it was weird. just a new experience for me that I wasn't yeah. used to. That's all it was. So, yeah, new neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> was there a new Lindsay though? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, really? So you're so you're white now? Oh, I had to. Well, my nickname was Ghetto. 
So, so <laughs> I want people call me by my last name or ghetto. Those are my two <sighs> names. Um, but for me, I learned at a young age because I was raised with adults and just everywhere. I had to learn how to adapt to survive. And I remember coming to this school, really not feeling like I had anything in common with anybody to be on. I, I immediately felt different. You know, I'm with a single mom. Um, I mean, we weren't like dirt poor, but we were, you know, single mom income. I mean, my dad was in the picture for sure. But I mean, we're talking people had like million dollar homes, like the mom and dad. I mean, it just looked totally different. Um, and so for me, I remember I got hooked up with this one friend. We just happened to like have a class together, which was kind of a downfall for me. Um, and I kind of took off from there. So I was always myself, but I did adapt. I did change. Like if you look at my senior pictures, you'll totally see that. You'll be like, oh, that's like a total white girl. Like I had a, I did change and adapt, but I was always kind of rough around the edges, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, so there was a lot of the same me. I was very raw. I was always honest. Um, but I did adapt to a little bit of the ways of how they were over there, if I'm going to be honest with you. So. And then um, did you get mixed up in some trouble here? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Early I, on or later on? Oh, yeah. I started drinking and smoking at 12. Okay, so the so, so the smoke so so the smoking part. Okay, so we love your voice, right? Me and Melissa. Yeah. And then we you just recently told her it was bec- it's not your natural voice. It's because you smoked forever. That's what I'm assuming because everybody talked. I didn't realize my voice was really that different to be honest until like I really came to church and everyone's like, "Oh, your voice, voice." And I'm like. Oh, I guess it is pretty raspy. I'm like, my voice sounds like my past, just a little rough. You know what I mean? I go, I go, just, I go. But yeah, no, I started smoking cigarettes at 12. I mean, never trust an ice cream truck in a, in a shady neighborhood. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and well, yeah, you thought you were buying the little the little candy cigarettes? Oh no, I knew what I was buying. I, they were the Mexico Marvel lights. You know, I was like, I was like, hey, did the job. So yeah, I was drinking and smoking because my family on my mom's side. Um, we're big partiers. And so I was raised around that. I mean, I remember being at house parties at five years old in my nightgown, jumping up to like Montel, you know, Jordan, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And I mean, I had my first drink at seven, you know what I mean? Just my family just partied all the time in the Mexican culture. And my family, like, that's what happened with them. It was like a generational thing. It wasn't that I, I thought that was normal. So yeah. like even like holidays, we would have all my uncle's friends come over and it ended up being like a kegger, you know, wow. after Thanksgiving. And so... When I was 12, it kind of felt like I was, and then I, like I said, I met this friend and I already knew all this stuff because of what I saw. And so, and then I kind of took off on my own and then it just kind of went, yeah, (laughs) went from there. So it was a while when God, when God found me, I was, he had a lot to clean, a lot to clean up. So what was your life like? So for me, it took off. I think for me, you know, growing up. With that contrast, like I was saying, growing up in elementary school, my parents, I love them. They had a really bad divorce. I mean, really. I mean, my dad would drive to Paramount. My grandma slammed the door in her face and say, oh, she's not here. I'd be in the other room. You know, um, I remember just bad talk with my dad and stuff. And grandma, my dad, there's a reason for it. You, Like, my dad didn't grow up without it, you know, with the dad. His dad was a convict, like, the whole nine yards. So the fact that I even had the father I had with the upbringing that he had was like a straight miracle from God. And um, so with all that being said, 
when I came out to here, I was already carrying a lot of stress at such a young age. I mean, I was literally getting bald spots in like when I was in elementary school, doctors were like, dude, this is from stress. She has like, she has alopecia. What, what, what did you have stress from just for the atmosphere? So literally kind of adapt to basically maybe three different environments, it is, mom, dad, and school. And it wasn't a lot of stability if I'm going to be honest with you. You know, my uncles were my uncles. Do they, they got into a lot of trouble, uh, growing up and, um, had parties all the time. And my mom, I think after the divorce kind of lost her way a little bit, if, if I'm going to be d- delicate with it. Um, so for me, I never really felt like I was a priority, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you know, so I had a lot of stuff that I was just trying to almost like raise myself as a kid. Um, I love my family. They're super funny. Was super cray cray all day day for Ray Ray, dude. I'm I'm a type. My grandma don't play, dude. You kick her, she'll kick you back. She don't care if you're five. You know what I mean? Like there's just it's just all of that. So you got the dysfunctions from all over, right? And then I'd go to my dad's, and my dad really did dote on me when I was younger. I mean, look, my dad didn't know what to do with the little girl, so I'd go to my dad's, and we would literally get Jack in a Box. This is our routine. We go get Jack in a Box. My dad's a gambler. He, or I'm gonna say, was a gambler. I'm speaking life to my father. Was a gambler. He taught me how to play five to seven card stud and blackjack at five, six years old. So we'd be watching Casino and Goodfellas, throwing, you know what I mean, wow. like like playing cards, throwing bones, and laughing. And then my dad would take me to arcades and stuff like that. And then I'd come home, and there would just be some drama stuff sometimes at my mom's, and then um, and even at my dad's because I remember like even playing like my dad would play catch with me in the front yard. I remember, like, the chick next door, she was getting beat up by her dude and was, like, running out, like, screaming his name. And they were going through a bad battle with the courts of my mom and stuff. So it's just, like, restraining. There was just a lot of stuff there. And my dad, you know, during the Rodney King years, we were raised in a really bad area in that time with my dad. So, I mean, he was carrying a piece on him everywhere. He didn't even let me walk. So I just, I never really just felt like a stable, a stability, right? Like, when I went to school, these kids looked like they had parents that were reading to them and doing all these things. And I was just like <laughs> trying to make it to the next day. You know what I mean? Like just cause oh. there was so much stuff going on at the house all the time. Um, you know, with drinking a lot of those things that comes with that. So, um, with all that said, coming into this new environment and already kind of having a little experience in certain substances, I remember the first time I got drunk and I was like, Oh, I arrived. Like, there was a feeling of, like, this is what a hug felt like. Like, even when I smoked a cigarette, I was like, oh, this is what relief felt like. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was like a f- my first parent, if I'm going to be honest with you, in a sense of it just gave me continual comfort, false comfort, obviously. Um, and with that, it came craziness because I always say, I go, look, I didn't realize any of this was like a spiritual thing until I got saved. Um, until Rachel put me under her wing and was like, oh, no. those are spirits like she had to explain that to me um because i mean i had my first alcohol poisoning at 15 years old uh i was a blackout drunk um i my mom so you were drinking for comfort oh to get or or escape oh for sure yeah like at a young age and i think for me at first so you realized right away like oh this is an easy escape yeah it was just and it was something i've known i've seen my whole life so i thought like oh i'm finally of age to do this. So when I was 13, I started, I mean, I don't know how much I can say, but I was using fake IDs at 13 years old. I mean, my uncles used to snap their exes 
like IDs and like a credit card that now it's like identity fraud, like a credit card they don't use. And they wouldn't train me like, oh, remember your birthday. They go, no, what's your sign? What year did you graduate high school? I mean, like I had to get trained. So I was going to bars at 13, like 14, 15, 16. I was going to Vegas at like 17, 18. Like I, the time I got to 21, I was, to be honest with you, I was kind of bored. Like I was over it. And so like, (laughs) like it just felt like that for me. And um, so, yeah, I got in a lot of mess just from the jump, you know what I mean? And so... So you had to grow up super fast. Oh, super fast. Super fast. I mean, to the point where, I mean, I sometimes counsel my own parents or, you know what I mean? Like, I Do was, you feel like you're, you you got ripped off a little bit as a kid? You know what's funny? You say that. I used to be like that. If I'm going to keep it real, I used to feel that way. And then it reminds me of like the like like the story of Joseph in the Bible, like... After, like, to when I look at my life today, I really got to accept the thing. I, I, I love the things I got, and I accepted the things I didn't, if that makes sense. Because I understood that without those experiences, I would not be who I am today. So with my childhood, as much as it wasn't normal and it was super dysfunctional, there was a lot of good times, I have to admit. And we, and we joke about that in the family. We're like, dude, we probably shouldn't be, like, saying that now, but... I had a ton of fun when it was fun. Um, and, you know, to my dad and mom's credit, it wasn't just like anybody's story. Not It wasn't 100% bad, right? They did things that were parental stuff, like my dad would take me to arcades and the beach, and my mom would um, eventually, like, sometimes just randomly say, let's go to San Diego and visit your uncle for the weekend. You know what I mean? Like, we would do stuff like that. So I don't definitely feel like I was robbed. It just was very different than what most grew up with if you should but i never even when i was in elementary school i always felt because i was around adults my whole life i never connected with little kids like it was hard for me to really find out who i was and i think that's the part that was like now as i get older and kind of understand everything i never really knew who i like you know what i mean like i always felt like i was just in the shell and i was just trying to survive to be honest with you um, up until I found Christ, to be honest with you, that was kind of the story of my life. So when did it stop being fun for you? Oh, because because I think a lot of people it is. Yeah, I, I love that you admit that it's oh, fun. Oh yeah, sinning can be fun sometimes, right? <laughs> it, 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 yeah. Initially, it starts off great. Yeah, it, I mean, we everybody knows that it yeah. seems great. This is fun. Yeah, we party. We're 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 sneaking into bars at fifteen. It's, yeah, it, it, it's all this is great. Yeah. but what at what point? And then there's a point where people get to, and it's just like this ain't fun this ain't no it no more. Oh, dude. So for me, I definitely think it was straight up out of high school because I remember even in and I had I have like a thousand stories. I'm gonna keep it real. Even in high school, junior, all of that. Um. And this is how sick it was. I so I always believed in Jesus. I'm gonna say this right here. I, I always believed in Jesus. So I where always, did that come from? My dad. Your dad. If my dad didn't talk to me about God, I don't know if I would have really known him. I remember my dad because mind you, he was raised. He used to go to the Compton Baptist Church, dude. We're talking straight up like falling on the floor, like you're like you know what I mean, like like hardcore. <laughs> but my dad didn't really live for him. My dad was a good man. He had a good heart, but you know he he liked. Yeah, the gambling. yeah, he yeah. liked his stuff. So, but I remember being five years old. He pulled me aside and he goes, and I'm saying all this for reasons building up, but he, he pulled me over aside and he goes, I want to tell you who God is. His name is Jesus and he's the only son of God. He came down, like he straight up told me the gospel the best he could when I was like five or six. And there was something in that I just believed. 
Like it wasn't, it was not an issue for me. I was like, right. okay. So for me, my whole life, I believed in Jesus. I knew God, or I knew of him, I should say, but I never thought I could live for him. And I, rem- and, and so for me, my whole life with all the crazy dysfunction, like the hardcore depression, sad moments, it was still a way of me saying, this is what I knew what life was. I remember going to church one time and there was a sermon, one of, I think it was every one of whatever pastors were preaching on this. And he goes, no one taught you to sin. And I was like, you have not met my family. I go, I got to <laughs> pat my grandma down when she comes to my house. She is like the biggest Kalepto. I was like, I was like, so for me, I know by nature, I naturally have that. But on top of that, when you have a family that almost gives you this kind of feeling of there's no rules and there's really, and there's consequence, but yet I don't know how to explain that. Like, like my mom used to tell me like, Hey, if you fight, don't call me. If you get arrested for assault charges, don't call me. I'm not bailing you out. And I was like, wow. oh, you know what I mean? Like it was, so she gave me consequences like that, but it wasn't consequences like, Hey, you're not going to go out like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was a very confusing thing. So for me, when I got out of high school, 18, my mom, God love her. She had, you know, a string of, of certain relationships. So we had this dude live with us who was not a good guy um, from like when I was like 13, 14. And my senior year was 17. We came home from the river house empty. We had two lawn chairs and my dog. And I remember my mom just lost her job. I'm going into senior year. I just broke up with my dude. And I remember us holding each other in the living room, just crying. What did he, he took? Everything? Yeah, they broke up, and he was just, he just wiped the whole. Oh, so salty, dude. Like, the extra on the rim of the margarita. He just took everything, bro. We walked in, and we thought we got, like, robbed or punked. We're like, dude, nothing. No couches, nothing. So we just sat and cried for a second, and then my mom was very big. I mean, again, that's why with my past, no matter what, I learned how to survive. I learned that grit. Like, you don't give up no matter how hard it is. And so... Senior year was interesting, and so she was like, oh, I'm never going to date again. She finds a dude, and I was, like, super annoyed. I was like, oh, dude, you're, I, you know, I, you just told me all this stuff that, uh, oh, snap. And um, I laughed, so senior year comes, they get engaged. And mid-senior year, I think it was, or maybe, like, right after high school, they get engaged, and she's like, hey, we're going to go move over there. And I was like, we, Kimo Sabi, I ain't moving over. I don't know this dude, and I am moving with another dude that I don't know because I was. You were done. That was, I was done. And um, which he ended up being, like, an amazing guy, by the way. He's my stepdad to this day. I love, I call him Yanni. His name's John. I absolutely love him. But at the time, I didn't know that. I was an 18-year-old kid who kept getting progressively worse, more angry, more all this stuff. So when I graduated high school and the way I grew up, my family was very like, hey, you got shirt on your back, food in your stomach. And that's even sometimes, by the way, um, no one really looked out for my future. I mean, no one was saying, hey, what are you going to like? My family made fun of me when I said I my friends were telling me to go to college and they were like, oh, you're going to drop out. Like my family was not a hey, let's go talk about your future. So when I graduated, and I'm seeing this a lot, even in the age range of 18 to 20, there's just a sense that, and I think it's so normal for most part, you just feel lost. Like you're just like, man, some people just look like they have it together. They have this game plan. And I barely graduated, dude. I'm talking like principal called my mom and was like, dude, if she don't pass this test, she ain't walking. Wow. And my mom was like, I'm going to beat you if you don't pass it. She didn't tell me to say, she's like, I'm just going to beat you. And I was like, <laughs> and I got hammered that night and I ended up copying the whole entire test the next day and I ended up passing and that's how I ended up walking. <laughs> so shout out to everybody that helped me in high school wow. <laughs> graduate. But um, 
my point is, so when I moved, when I got out, she, I partied that night. And I remember she was, I came home and I go, instead of living with them, um, what about me and this person who was my ex at the time? Well, I didn't necessarily, I just said, I go, why don't, why don't we, you sublease us this place? We're 18. And she was like, all right. And so that changed my course of everything. Now I had to get, like, I always worked. I worked since I was 15, but now I needed a job with insurance because I had to go to clinics for a while, you know, no health insurance, which is, was horrible. And, and, um, and I remember getting office jobs. And so the more responsibility I was getting because I necessarily never knew how to deal with it. I just knew to shove it down. My family's old school. You're fine. I mean, I've broke, I've sprained ankles. I ain't taking to the doctor but to wrap that up and drink so you don't feel it. You know what I mean? My family was very, <laughs> very hardcore. I bled. Pour a little tussin on Oh, it. I'm not. Ple- oh, more like tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, grab that. And so for me, I grew up very um, hardcore in that way. So I thought feelings, you were weak. So I never knew how if I cried, I thought I, you could never catch me crying in public. I I grew up very hard. So in that way, where emotions were just not something that was, um, you know, good. So I drank more. And so that's when it started becoming really dark. And then when I was living on my own, I mean, the fights between me and my exes were like, I mean, you know, on the episode of Cops. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those types of deals. Are you, I mean, are you picking oh, the... the the worst. Dude, you choose the love you think you deserve. Mm. So if I was taught that everybody comes before you, right? Like I was taught that because also being in a drinking home, I learned how to take care of when my uncles were too hammered to go to bed. You know what I mean? Like I learned all that. So for me, my needs were very apparent that they were not a priority. My feelings were not a priority. And this isn't a cap on my family because I love them. They literally didn't know how. It's not like, and I think growing right. up, I thought they knew how and just something about me they didn't want to give. It didn't hit me till I was older. I'm like, oh, you literally didn't have it to give me. And um, I think that's big because I, I, I think, I think, too many people blame oh yeah their parents and and, and and some it's rightfully so I could see that yeah. but sometimes you have to really think about what what was what, their, what was their capacity really dude right what was their capacity really yeah. to be a good a, a good parent you For know sure. what I mean I think a lot of people like complain about that sometimes and then they don't think about like well, where did they come from you know how, how hard was their life growing up were they did yeah. they were they a little bit better i don't know but you know it's 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 weird like that and that's where like for me i didn't get to be that way though until i started healing when i started healing yeah, yeah it, it you know time. what i mean it takes, it takes time because i'll admit i was that per- i was that person that at first i thought it was always me like i thought i was like a freak or something like i was just born evil because you know some of my caretakers um, on my aunts and they didn't, their stuff got put on me. Let's just, let's just say that. So I, I took on a lot of people's stuff. It seems like, it seems like you were the youngest, but you were like the mother of the family. Oh, dude. And Is that kind of right? Oh, in a sense, like where I was definitely always trying to make sure everybody's feelings were kind of taken care of, if you will. And even when I had my homeboys, like, growing, like, even in high school when I met this crew of crazy, dude, some of these guys, I'm like, you have no fear. I was, it was like the Lost Boys and I felt like Wendy. You know what I mean? Like, I would be <laughs> stitching them up after they got stabbed. Like, I was the one, like, cleaning up the head wounds. Like, I remember 15, someone getting jumped, and I'm like, all right, let's see, do you, do you got it? <laughs> like, like, I, I no, was, like, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Like, I was just, like, I wasn't, like, X got stabbed. I, like, 
throw out my cigarette. I literally like, you know, uh, covered his wound. And so for me, I was just raised where you just adapt, you move forward, whatever. And so um, for me, but yeah, to answer that question, it was after high school for sure. So I had to kind of give that preference because after high school, the real world really hit me. And the people I was connecting to, um, and I'm not going to play a victim either because look at forever. I was like, oh, my ex. uh, No, I picked them. I definitely had my part in all that. And I was a psycho back then, to be honest with you, because I had all this anger built up. Then you put booze next to it or drugs or whatever which again satan's having a field day he's like oh heck yes what kind like, of drunk were you oh i was a sloppy joe hansen like f- gonna fight or just sl- every it it just it depended whatever. to be honest it was like russian roulette with me to be honest like Ooh. i literally was like super fun and funny i was super something else where you're like lord jesus save me and then i would i remember my mom saying you're dark right now don't drink wow like so she saw this side of me um, when I do feel like it's a spirit that kept jumping, like is like, oh, worked with their dad, you know, and I would ask my dad, I get him black outrageous. And so, yeah, I've like fought, you know what I mean? Like all of that into where it gets, it went super violent. Um, and when I was raised with seeing a lot of that stuff and being taught certain things, I was like a dude, like when I fought. So it was not like pulling your hair. It was like, um, my dad Throwing? showed me. How, oh, my dad showed me how to throw. He used to, he used to tell me, he goes, these hurt them. These hurt you. Like he, like that was a, my dad was a bouncer for years, a barber. Like my dad's knuckles are pressed back from fighting. And I'm not saying any of that to brag, but my point is my dad was very primal. Okay. So he was raised getting jumped by certain gang. Just, you know what I mean? Like right. sometimes they would make him fight certain people just to kind of rank up certain people, blah, blah, blah. So for me, I was raised with that on that side. And then my uncles on my mom's, they wanted me to be tough. So we just, dude, I was getting jumped almost on a daily basis just for the remote control. You know what I mean? So like, (laughs) so I had all this stuff and then you, but you throw booze into it on a bad day for me, if I'm overstressed or just certain things. And I think that's what used to scare me. I was a blackout drunk every time though I was a blackout drunk. And so when I woke up, I really didn't know what happened. Until I looked at my phone, if I had it, and I would be like, I'd have a routine. I'm like, where's my phone? Where's my keys? Like, who am I? Where am I? You know what I mean? Like, and then I would know how bad it was depending if someone wasn't going to talk to me or not. So I was like, I was like, and and the shame that comes on you, dude, the next day, you don't even want to ask. You don't even want to ask because you're like, I don't even want to know what I did. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, and it just got worse. And that's something I always tell people. I go, if you're doing this now, and I again, I was young, I go, you, it's only going to get worse. If you have not developed any coping skills, one, you don't have Christ in you. That's just number one. You're using a substance that is literally opening doors to the demonic side that is just having a field day with you. You know what I mean? Right. And for me as a woman, it just took me to so many demoralizing places that, um, like I said, it reminds me of the Bible verse, like, the much has been forgiven. Like I am very grateful to the Lord because of how much work he has done in my life. How much is that spiritual? I mean, oh. you, 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 I mean, for people out there that don't think like, you know, it's a spiritual thing. Like they just think, well, I get in drunk and, and it gets oh. bad, but it, it, you know, drinking it yeah. and, and, and maybe a little bit of weed here and there, it's not a big deal, but it, it, it takes you, it takes over. Oh, dude, I, I've literally had an experience where, especially towards the end, so I'm going to just blast myself. So I'm 37, right? So at 28. Youngster. I know. 
Thank you. I see. I've met, but I internally feel old. So I'm just like, and I have smoker wrinkles. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for these bangs. But, I, but, but I'm like, but, but when I was 28, that was the peak of my insanity. And I use the term insanity because I remember just jumping from relationship to relationship, living with them too. And my last one, Again, it just kept getting worse. And by the grace of God, I always was good at business, which was a trip. I always had a really strong work ethic. So I'd be like super hungover, dude. I'd pop two Advil, smoke a cigarette, and I'd go to work and just kill it. Like that was just, I I, I worked off the adrenaline. And so, um, but it was seeping in in every way. And so for me, I remember one incident with my last person I was living with. I literally heard a spirit that wasn't good. Because for me, a Tuesday around that time, and I'm just going to be transparent because, like I said, I'm doubling down on this. It would be like I'd come home from work, long day at work, stressed out, not knowing how to cope with stress. And when really it's just pressure, you know. And I would easily do half a Zanny bar, a whole Zanny bar, smoke a couple bowls, get a few vodka drinks and then a few beers and cook dinner. And that was like a that was a light buzz just to like say, oh, I need a unwind from the day that's a light buzz that's a light buzz for me to unwind from the day and so i'm like cooking dinner and this story trips me out and i don't even know if i'm gonna say the whole thing it's a podcast but but long story short i remember me and my ex getting like a really bad fight to the point where it looks like he's gonna like straight headbutt me and and we used to when i fought with my exes it was like manning up like straight up like man to man almost like manning up and the way i was raised you didn't back down my dad used to always tell me this thing because he's like you only fight if someone puts their hands on you or, or someone you love. That was something my dad ingrained me at like at five, six years old. And so, um, so by the grace of God, I didn't have to fight a lot because of that. Um, he's always telling me like the barkers, let them bark, whatever, but it's the, the quiet one. You know, my dad taught me all that stuff, but with guys and you had those substances in you, I remember feeling a rage that literally overtook me mm. and to a place where I actually I, I, and I'm going to share this because I don't know if it's going to help somebody. I remember slamming a knife. He, I was cooking dinner and he was just bam in my face. And I remember s- slamming it right to his Adam's apple. I go, you come near me. I go, I'm going to slice your throat and get your fist and start punching myself and get away with your murder tonight. I say it's self-defense. And I literally got the visual of the entire thing. And I could literally hear a voice saying, do it. Like I, like almost like I was saliving, like do it. And that's how I knew God had a covering mm-hmm. on me always. Something stopped me and I dropped the knife. And I remember I ran to the bathroom. I, I locked myself in the bathroom and I, and I just remember shaking and I looked into the bathroom window. And I didn't even recognize, recognize myself, dude. Like I could see whatever spirit was on me. And I remember crying to God. I'm like, how did I get here? How is this a Tuesday for me? And, um, yeah, so to me, it's very spiritual. It's very demonic. Anything that's taking over you. And I always tell people, and, and for me, when people are like, oh, I have one or two, I never understood that. Because to me, like, if I'm going to have one or two and not really get like a buzz buzz or a drink drink, I'm like, I'm not going to take them calories. I'm going to go get like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, something that's different. I, you know, there's people that are <laughs> believers yeah, yeah, yeah. that say they just have one or two drinks. And I'm like, uh, I, I, I've, I've never drank in my whole life. Okay. Believe it or and not. And I love that, dude. My I wife, love that. she's an alcoholic. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Melissa, you better get up in here and check your man. <laughs> <laughs> when she was young and she used to drink. Yeah. But I, I've never drank. But I always, I, when when believers say that, I'm like, so why do you drink then? Yeah. Like, I just drink just to, you know. I go, because you get a little buzzed. I already know. Maybe you don't drink to get drunk, but yeah. you get buzzed. So something's going on there. That's, You're opening up 
a, a, a door, right? Okay. And I go, I don't, you know, especially now, I'm like, well, you don't ever drink? No, I never drank. And I go, yeah. I, I, I'm so afraid to to even touch a drink now because I'm like, I might like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then get pulled down the rabbit hole and, right? and open a door exactly. that I don't want to open. And that's what I tell my kids. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. This it, it, it's your choice because yeah. you're adults now, and and I hope that you don't because you love yeah. Jesus. But if you open that door, you you don't know where you're going. Oh, for, well, I look at it like this: the Bible says that we're not fighting a flesh and blood, but this is a spiritual warfare. That's biblical. It says it right there in the Bible. So if you got an enemy who's roaring around like a lion, not a lion, but like one, more like a hyena, but like you know, he he's he's looking for that. I do not want to give him an inch. I do not want to give him any any type of hold on me and anything that is taking your senses off. Right. Right. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to that in every level. Right. Like to me as a Christian, you're already walking in a, in a sense, especially depending on where you are with your walk. Um, nowadays it's not as bad, but when I first started, I was like sipping on Similac. I was, I was a baby baby. And so, cause I didn't know anything of that nature. And so for me, it felt like a struggle every single day. So yeah, if you put something that kind of, drop my guard yeah dude i you might as well like leave my door unlocked you know what i mean like that's just how yeah, i look at it I, like I, I read this book it's it's over there somewhere it's yeah. uh lou giglio uh don't give the enemy a seat at your table there you go and that's all he talks about and it it can be from the simplest thing yeah. as you know let, let letting thoughts come into your mind yeah. and then he's like you you let the thoughts come in and you're you're he, he basically is saying this you and Jesus are sitting at a table, yeah. ready to have this great meal. Yeah, and it's just you and Jesus, and you're and you're and you're there eating, yeah. and, and and the and the and the devil's kind of like roaming, maybe outside a little bit, right, yeah. looking in through the window, and then all of a sudden he kind of makes his way in, and, yeah. and and he still can't sit at the table. He can't not sit yeah. there and eat with you guys. Yeah, but he's roaming around, and you're and he's trying to distract you, and you get a little distracted, yeah. and then you start to compromise, and. He sits down and then you're like, oh, hey, and you're still eating. And then before long, you start paying attention to him, you know, and, and it ruins this relationship. Yeah. right here. And all of a sudden he's sitting there. So he's like, do not give the enemy a seat at your table. And it can be I from agree. the simplest things of, yeah. of thoughts. I mean, we talked about social media, yeah, things like that. Or it can be a drink here or there, For anything sure. that's going to hinder you yeah. basically and, and give the enemy an open door. For and sure. I, and I tell people that all the time, like you can't let him out open door. I mean, it, it can be anything, yeah. you know what I mean? But and, we, and we do that. And it's so true with that, that you said that. And I, I like what you said in the beginning when you were like, what is it that you're trying to get relief from? Yeah. Because that's another thing, the way I look at it, I go, it, Look at we need the way I look at my life. I always say, I go, I want to get rid of any. It's the distractions. If there's something, and I even tell God, if it's too much TV or certain things, I go, God, I'm clearly running from you because you're. I need relief from some way from you, and I'm not going to you for it when you're the only one that can break me through that. So funny how that works. You're the only one that can break me through, and a lot of times, and I think it's even been spoken on this podcast. It's like. Depending on your relationship with your parents, your family, or honestly, any authority of figures, it's always going to get projected on God. So for me, my prayers a lot with God was I knew him and knew of him, but I was like, help me accept your love. I did not know. how. I was like a hardened sponge that I saw the water all around me, but it was hard for me to absorb it, right, and, and hold on to it. And so um, 
I feel like when you're when you got an issue like that where you're like, man, I you don't understand my days. I'm like, dude, I run my job is I run a whole building. Like it is a very stressful job at times. I go to school. You know what I mean? I, I have a lot of different things going on. The type of ministry I do, so it's I go, but I know if I'm not having relief in the Lord, God's like, Lindsay, let's go. He's trying to break me through, right? A lot of people don't realize the breaking point is actually where the breakthrough is around the corner. But if we keep postponing that breakthrough through different numbers, and numbers could be anything from food to drink to, right. you know, whatever it TV, is, TV, social, social media. media, whatever it is, you're basically saying, no, I'm not trying to, re- I'm just putting a pause. Right here, right. but then they're wondering, why don't I feel filled? Why do I feel this? Why do I feel? And you're like, look at the Bible says you reap what you sow, right? There's, it, it's not a, a work of acts, like, or I mean, it's it's not about our works, but at the same time, faith without works is dead. God is a participating God. He is saying, he's like, I'm not a genie that's just gonna poof and give yeah. you the hot dog that you're begging for. You need to get your butt up and go make it in the kitchen. It's, it's reciprocating. It's re- yeah, it's a relationship. I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Elevate Ministries. Elevate Ministries is an authentic, passionate, and innovative church in the heart of Orange County, California. They strive to make their services welcoming and encouraging by intentionally engaging you in all senses to stimulate a spiritual hunger. If you're looking for a great church that's on a mission to change the world one person at a time, I encourage you to check them out at www.elevateministries.com and on Instagram at Elevate Ministries. Yeah, I I think that's big. I think what you said a little while ago about... How you perceive God. I think that's what you were getting yeah. at, right? I, I mentioned that the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was preaching at church, you know, Father's Day. Dude, legit, by the way. You did legit. You did <laughs> legit. You. That Thank was you. good. Praise God. Yeah. Um, but I did mention that. And, and and the perception that we get of of God is sometimes based on the way we perceive our parents, sure. right? Or the way they treated us. Yeah. So if, you, if your parents were neglectful. If you you know, are you maybe your father was mean or looked at you a certain way? Sometimes we take those uh, uh, projections of our parents and we project it on Christ, and and we think that's the way He looks at us. Exactly. I mean, that was huge. We must have talked about that, and I added that at the end of that sermon because I was like, that makes so much sense. Because sometimes you feel like my dad treated me this way. Are they so? Uh, my heavenly dad yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is gonna is probably looking at me the same way. Are, yeah. are they angry at me for every little thing or this or that? But that's that's huge. Yeah, and I I hundred percent agree. When you said that, I was like, oh, I know that was from the Holy Spirit. You could tell that had an impact, and even just from people I talked to after that was saying, oh, that got me. That yeah, part I, I, I seen men come you know down, I mean? and I, I I knew it was a powerful thing, and yeah. I added it like I think I added it like two or three days before okay because me and melissa talked about it and yeah. she was just like you know what like that if that really made sense to me like and, and she shared with me and yeah. i was like yo and i go there is probably a lot of people that feel it and i you know it, the, the, it was for fathers it's father's day yeah, yeah. but i i felt like no this is something that needs to be said yeah. because i think it's it's could affect everybody's perception of of their heavenly father and not only in their walk in their relationship, I think when you come in, depending on your background, and I don't care if you've been raised in church or completely never walked in the building. I heard somebody say, whatever you diagnose is how you're going to treat. Right. So to me, I look at it like if I'm not understanding, OK, this is a me thing, meaning I'm just looking. It's not a him thing. God loves me and he does not change. Biblically, it says that he does not change. 
it makes me realize, okay, this might take some time, and that's okay. I think about think about your marriage with Melissa. What twenty nine years coming up? You said September. Or? Yes, twenty nine years. That's legit. But that took thirty years in Attica. <laughs> but that took time. That took work. That took, you know what I mean. So to me, I think when you have it like that, it gives you a breather. Because I know for me, when I first came to church, I thought I was failing. If I'm going to be honest with you, I remember looking around, everyone looked happy. I'm like, man, they just get it. You just, that's the perception you have. You're like, they just get it. I, and the lies I used to get told was, see, you're not his kid. You're not, you know what I mean? Like I literally could like audibly hear it. And, um, and so for me, I always had a struggle, but the way I was, this is where my fight was. I was sticking it to, you know who? Cause I was like, nope, I'm going to still show up. Nope. I'm going to still serve. Nope. I, I mean, people don't realize how hard it was sometimes to get me just to that Sunday, but I understood no matter what, it wasn't a God thing. It was a me thing. That's just learning how to accept his love. And that was going to take time and daily encounters with him on an effort to effort basis. Mm. So I think that was huge when you said that, because I think people sometimes beat themselves up of like, man, I'm failing at this and God just doesn't love me. or He's not going to have patience with me. And they just want to dip because of that. And you're like, no, dude, he gave his life for you. He gave his son for you. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, right. And that's what they have to realize. You go, it, it just take time. It's almost like you were an abused dog that got kicked a bunch of times. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? You're, you're, just, you're yeah. just going back to realizing it's safe. That's one thing you know? about when you, when you come to God. Yeah. I, I'm, everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, we're all, start, we're all in the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of us are starting with, with, a, with a little bit more hang-ups. Some of us, I always say this, like the analogy of we're all in the race. We, we, you know, we're all, we're all running together, yeah. but there might be somebody that might have a little bit of a head start because maybe they're third generation yeah. of, of believers, you know, yeah. coming, you know, and then you might have somebody that just, like you said, they just get it. You yeah. might have somebody that struggles with still things, but yeah. there's always something. And I think once you get past that, like, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm, I'm part of this, yeah. you know, how did you get eventually come to the Lord? Lord? So God is funny in this way. Uh, anybody that has ever helped me, Rachel, I am saying this because I'm talking about somebody who has more like a spiritual throw to me. I I'm am glad. A- I'm glad Rachel did something good in the church for once. You oh know yeah, I mean? <laughs> like this one has. She has like a Lego. She has a resume out to here. I go. This woman just is. is- Watch Rachel on the podcast. Oh, dude, Great she- story. She's she. I don't know what number. Can't find out what number she was. Yeah, dude, episode she was. She's she's amazing because. Rachel. What she has gone through, she did not let her trials go to waste, right? Her trials are her testimonies. And and for me, I'm a stubborn mule. I, I'm a little donkey. I, I, I make fun of myself. I'm stubborn. Why? Because I have massive trust issues for obvious reasons. So the way God was with me, he was like, okay, girl, I'm going to have to, you know, God's a fisherman of men. He knows, he knows what bait to use with me. So he had to do little breadcrumbs. So for me, I think it was when I was 28, like I said. Episode 41, Rachel. <laughs> there we go. I had to do breadcrumbs meaning when i was 28 it was getting to the place where i literally felt like i was going insane mind you i've been arrested almost died multiple times ripped ivs out of my i mean i went i have crazy crazy stories of where my oh so it got worse oh on a on an epic proportion to where (laughs) and i always say this and people could say whatever but for me just like i heard that spirit i've audibly heard god before he's literally taken me out of a blackout situation that i probably would have died um literally was walking towards an alley at two and three in the morning hammered by myself i was young i thought i was going to the bar i didn't realize where i was walking to i was in a blackout state 
woke up like this. I, I he and I heard Lindsay like a loud, audible, firm voice. And it was like Lindsay, and I was right under a streetlight. And he goes, "Look, turn around." And and it just Whoa. hit me cognitively. And I just remember booking it, and I blacked out again. And then I woke up in the hospital, and they were like, "Hey, we found you in an, in an elevator." I made it back to my hotel, but not all the way up. And they were like, "You had a four point alcohol poisoning." It's like wait, 40. wait, wait. 4.0? Oh, I, when I tell you that the doctors have told me I should have died multiple, 40% of people, for people that don't know any of this, 0.8 is the legal limit. Yes. So I was 4.0. That is like 4. I, I, I watch cops. Yeah. Okay, so the, when they say like 1.6, I'm Bro. like, oh, they're really drunk. Oh, dude. 4? And I'm, I was at the time 5.5, five, and at the time I was like a buck 28, and they were like, dude. What are you drinking? Uh, it, it was anything. And that's how I also knew it was a spirit. Dude, there was nothing that was going to, I could never stop. Like once I started, could never stop. And so, um, and that was just one of the issues, one of the occasions. But long story short, so I had a couple of those episodes. And then, and I'm talking, dude, I woke up the next day and they were like looking at me like, you think, you, you know, your life would change or you'd go to rehab. Bro, I thought I was Jason Bourne. I literally ripped my IVs out, snatched up my stuff and like took a cab. <laughs> To the hotel and got hammered that day. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So you're drunk in the alley. Yeah. You hear a voice. Yeah. It wakes me up like I like with audible voice. Audible voice. It like sobers me to like make the turn. You make it back to, and then I go right back into the state of get wake up in the hospital. Yeah. And then you rip out the IVs and then you go back and get drunk. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I because I could not, and then I went to work that Monday, <laughs> dude. Like I'm telling you. When I say I should not be in, like, I, I could have died multiple times. They found me, and I was like Jane Doe, dude. They would just find me places because I would black out and just be done. And did you want to die? To be honest, probably. Yeah, I think a lot of times I did. And um, and it's funny you asked me that because that was actually one of the things that got me to sober up was I wasn't dying, but I was living miserable, which I was more scared of that than dying. And I remember... Me and good old Pops, that's what I call my dad's pop. Me and Pops we went to Subway because he would take me every Monday to go have lunch or whatever. Kind of bender. I was 28 years old. I, I looked like crap. I had a bender. My my ex and mirror. It was just a whole thing. Did they kick me off my cell phone insurance because I kept losing my cell phone, breaking it from being such a drunk. So I, it was really wow. bad. So long story short, I remember he looked at me and he goes, you need help. Like he just, I couldn't fake it. I, that, that was the one day because I hid a lot of this for my dad. I didn't want my dad seeing that side of me you know and I think for him he was every other weekend and then he picked me up on Mondays and I think I mean he found my cigarettes at 13 and he I said it was on friends he didn't want to believe they were mine you know my pops was just like that so long story short he goes you need help and I was so pissed because I'm like yeah no I had a mouth on me I was like yeah but like what was I gonna do you know like, like I really didn't believe that there was help for me if I'm gonna be honest I genuinely felt hopeless at that point and um he goes give me your insurance I knew that was God because my father has carried cash his entire life. This this dude is old school. How he texted me is he would write a message and take a picture of it <laughs> and send the picture because he learned how to do that. My dad does not do these kind of things. And so when he said insurance, I'm like, do you even know like what that is? I was like, I, and so I was like a little smart. You know what? I was like, all right, I'll try you. So I throw my insurance. He called me up a week later and I was living in Whittier at the time with my ex and he was like, I got you a therapist. You're seeing her this Wednesday. I interviewed four of them. 
he interviewed, and I was grown by the way, I was 28. Oh, wow. And I remember fighting it all the way, but I was desperate. If I'm going to keep it real, I was desperate. And I remember all the way up to that door, I was like, what is she going to tell me? I know everything. Blah, blah, blah. All my defenses came up. Bro, it took her one. She looked like a kindergarten teacher, by the way. I always say, Jenny, she was my first angel that God sent me. She's, God used her to save my life. Literally, all she did was say, why are you here? <laughs> and it was the first time, Dave, somebody actually asked me how I was doing. Wow. And I just remember vomiting all my, my, my testimony and my stuff. And she basically said, she goes, I think I can help you. And I couldn't afford her at the time because, you know, I was financially completely on my own, da, da, da. And she goes, how much can you afford? And I gave her a number and she was in the like triple digits. And I was like in the like lower, lower digits. She goes, I'll hook it up. She Meaning she wasn't looking at, she wasn't trying to see me for the money. She believed in you. Oh, she believed in me, dude. And I remember the first time she talked about a 12-step program, I flipped out on her. I was like, that's not why I'm here. Um, I blamed everything. Oh, it's because of my ex. It's because of finances. I blamed everything. And that's why you see me now in my walk. I will not rationalize. I am not perfect. I can, you know what I mean? But accountability is huge to me. You cannot be in my inner circle. I'm not trying. If you are not accountable, that's a flag for me. Um, and accountability in, in, in programs is huge, right? Oh, it's, it's, well, it's everything. And that's what it taught me because I rationalized so much and Satan was just having a field day with that because I never came to repentance. I never came to help. I ne- the pride was just like living on me. And I, I have a hard time with people that don't have accountability either. Be, well, because I'm thinking if you can't even be, are you accountable to God? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just yeah. kind of like, none of us are perfect. You, we have to understand that we got to come to that because why it gives us repentance. And it helps us grow. And then it teaches us grace. And then we give grace not only to ourselves, but others. So it's such a big part of that, in my opinion. And some, and I learned, I had to learn it. So I give grace to people that don't have it. I understand that it takes time. Um, but as far as my everyday, I'm like, oh, no, accountability is huge. And so um, I remember I rationalized. And God, this is how God rolled with me. He was like, everything you blamed, I'm going to hook up. So X left, moved out of our pad. Saved up a gang of money. I would have moved too if uh, like you're beating oh, me up. He's like, he's like, girl. But the sick thing is, he didn't want me to move. He, the only reason why for this, I asked him. I go, do you want to go on this journey with me? And to his credit, he was true to himself. He goes, no. He goes, I. He liked what he was doing. And, um, but we loved each other. I mean, we cried. We didn't have like a bad break. We literally were like two little kids crying. I feel like I was abandoning him to be honest with you. My therapist was like, dude, he's a girl. He wanted to stay. Oh, he he wanted, he he thought he was saving. I mean, like you said, props to him for releasing you. Oh, cause we were, we had that. You can pull somebody back in. Oh, well he, I used to tell him don't propose to me. Cause he used to talk, we used to talk about that. I go, I'll say no. And that's weird for most women don't think, but since I was a little girl, I go, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have kids. I said that as a young age. It wasn't until I got saved that I started opening up to that concept. But um, yeah, it was the letting go of the, that, that codependent, you know, circumstance. And he was a good, he wasn't a bad dude. It's just, we were both lost kids, if I'm going to be honest with you. And we just bonded off the wrong stuff. And, um, and so when one of us, when I left, all those excuses went away. I mean, from finances to this to that, and my drinking increased. And when I lived with my mom, I had to hide it now. So now I'm drinking two to three bottles. When she goes to bed, I'm I have a full on routine. 
put it in a garbage bag, throw it under my bed so I can take it to the outside. I mean, oh, it was man. like... This is like an episode of Intervention. Oh, man. <laughs> Welcome to 71 on the <laughs> But it was, it was really bad. And um, I literally felt like I was going insane. And so I had another bender, and now it's seeping into my job, the one place that always gave me self-esteem, right? And that, that scared me. And I remember my therapist goes, Lindsay, you need to understand you're not living, you're dying. I don't know why that simple sentence to me did something. Um, the Holy Spirit was like, just opened my eyes. And I remember looking outside and she goes, how about the 12-step program? And I remember tears running down my face. And I go, that's how I knew I was full of it. Because I was like, I'll never drink at my wedding. Even though I was like, I didn't want to get married. So I, I, my, my head went there. But I understood that the gig was up and I could not control it. And mm. so I said yes. And she did things that were so unorthodox. This woman, I'm telling you, God sent her. She's a Christian therapist too. So we talked about Jesus and all that. And she was the first one to walk me into the program. Wow. She was the first one to say, hey, what about going back to school and sign me up for call? I mean, she literally did things that no one has ever done for me. And then when I went into the 12-step program, I think in my head, God had me do that because it taught me so much discipline. I had... I lived this undisciplined life by my rules, and then it went from like, oh, no, you need to be a woman of your word, you know, all this stuff. So I go into all of that, and then I remember I was like 10 months into my sobriety. Again, I'm being a little stubborn donkey. I didn't want to do the program. Shocker. Uh, So I was in this dry land, and for us, it's a valley, right? I didn't get relief from the program and I wasn't going back to drinking. And at this point and God's, which is funny because God actually supernaturally delivered me from the obsession. So I was three months, the obsession of drinking. Oh, for sure. So I, I was three months sober and it was to the point where I had to lock myself in my bedroom after work so that I wouldn't go out. So I was like meetings work home. And I remember my mom tried taking me out for a birthday to like this nice, lunch at uh, the beach and I had a meltdown there not expecting it I didn't realize how many triggers I had and I remember I asked her I go what do you see when you're here and she's like oh the beautiful waves I I, I named every booze I go I'm I'm clocking the three thing two tables down the bar that's about I just started clocking oh. everything and I remember smoking a pack of cigarettes talking to my sponsor for like an hour while at this beautiful restaurant that I could not enjoy and I'll never forget this older Christian woman I, I'll never say her name out of, you know, um, the, for obvious reasons. And she came up to me at a meeting and she goes, honey, have you ever asked God to remove the obsession? And I thought that was the dumbest thing. Not that she said that, but I'm like, well, doesn't he know? Like, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what are we doing over here? Like, what? I just, he knows everything. Why do I have to ask him for well, it? Not only that, I'm like, there's nothing humbling than standing up and saying, hi, my name is Lindsay, you know, to a group of strangers. So. So my point is, I remember it got so bad in my third month. I remember I was like, I'm going to relapse. I It was to the point I could, I was like almost scratching at my door. And I remember I closed the door after she, she, she said that to me. And I didn't even realize I was rebuking at the time. I, I'm talking mocos, eyes for like an hour and a half pleading with God saying, if you don't deliver me, I'm going out right now and I will probably die. So you, those are your options for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember passing out cause I was so tired after a while. And the next day it was gone. It, it lifted right up for Instantly. me. Instant. The next day he did the same thing with cigarettes. I smoked almost a pack a day for 20 years on and off. And literally I remember when I was getting heart palpitations, 
I always say this, God can do anything. It's not a God issue because people are like, oh, I've been praying. I've been praying. I can smell in two seconds when someone's actually not ready to let it go. If I'm honest with myself, anything I had issues with, it was because I didn't want to let it go. That was my first mom and dad. Wow. That was my first comfort. I could, how could I let that armor go? When I was young, I learned how to put capes and costumes, right? My rage was one of them. My anger was one of them. God did this every time, but he read my heart. He, he didn't hear my He read my heart. He goes, oh, no, she's really done. It was the same with rage. I was on, I was already saved and I was about to go fight somebody literally gearing up in my head. I knew where she lived. I, I had the whole nine delivered me from the rage right there. I dropped middle of my shower. Like God is ready. God's always ready. It's, it's, it's us, right? It's a hundred percent us. So, for, so that, 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 that makes know. so much sense to me because yeah. I had a guy, you know, it was today hmm. and he's had problems and he'll reach out every now and then. Yeah. Right, and we're 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 friends. We have some mutual friends, but we're friends over social media. Yeah, and you know he's telling me about these issues he's having again, and then he says, you know, I cried out to God, and and you know you want to say like, listen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you told me that last time, yeah, and you told me that the time before, yeah, something's not changing in you, yeah. You, you're 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 crying out to God in the in the moment, yeah. right? But you're not doing no changes. Yeah, you're not. You're, you're really not done. There's no transformation. You, you're you're done today because your day sucked. Whatever you know, <laughs> yeah, these, yeah. these X Y Z things happen yeah. to you, right? And so I, I I almost want to tell him like, dude, like you cried out to God, but it it was it was not true. It wasn't from your heart. It yeah. was from your it was from your mind, and it was from the circumstance of the problems you're going through right now. But you're not 100% surrendering. And there's a way to pivot that question because I do that with a lot of people, to be honest with you. And I always ask them, I go, what are you afraid of? That's why I always ask them. And you can tell it hits them. Like, what do you mean? I go, you're giving it to God like this. Mm. You're doing it with a closed fist. God's saying no. It, it got, you know what I mean? Like, you got to open that up. I yeah. go, but, and that's why I said accountability. That's kind of where I was kind of going with accountability. That's how you grow. If I can't even be honest to the fact that I'm holding on to something, I'm going to hold on to that forever. So to me, I if I always tell people, you don't need to be honest to me. You don't. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm literally nobody. Do me a solid. Be honest to yourself and God. Those are the two people. If you could do those two things and anybody and I go close your door, you don't have to do it in front of the world. I'm saying just keep it real. Keep it real. And I had to keep it real. Dude, I smoked for two years almost in the church and I was struggling with that cigarettes. Like, I mean... My mouth. Oh, my God. It's cussing in my family, by the way. My grandma, if you ask her what her favorite word is, it's the F word. You know what I mean? Like, so I tell people, and they were like, oh, language. Then I go, dude, that'd be like telling someone who spoke Spanish, don't speak Spanish no more. You know what I mean? Like, I that was just part of my, my vocabulary. Like, I didn't realize it was even a thing until I started coming to church or getting in trouble with my HR. So, like, so, <laughs> so point being, I had all that. And then, you know, I'm in my, I'm in the program or whatever. And it's like 10 I'm 10 months sober. Now, mind you, at this point of my journey, if you will, I remember a woman. I'm going to give her a shout out, Valerie. She already knows who she is, my Val. She's the reason I'm even at God used her to come to Praise Chapel. She worked with me. She was like my first kind of mom at work. And she was from Paramount. She knew like, you know, where my dad's neighborhood was. And so she kind of took me under her wing when I used to get a little psycho. And so... um, Cause I'd be in business in boardrooms. I was the only female youngest one. These two guys would be like yelling at me and they think I'd be crying. It just 
piss me off even more. And I'd be like, you know, so she'd be like, all right, Mia, come here, you know. And so um, I remember she gave me a flyer. I was six months, never sleep on those flyers. I want to make that very clear. Never sleep on these flyers. She took me out to lunch and she goes, Mia, I come from a Catholic background. In my eyes, I'm like, I didn't come. To the Catholics we were, because in Mexican Italian, you had a kager after your baptism, right? It, this was not like a practicing thing. It was like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling real bad. Right. I'm going to, you know, put $5 in the collection, get three back, you know, and we're out right. for donuts. Like, that was the deal. So when she slipped me this flyer, she goes, I go to this church, praise chapel. It's nothing like I've ever experienced. I love it. She was going for like four years prior. And be, I normally would like chuck those things. But because it was her, I love her. I, I threw it in my wallet. And I remember at a month prior to, so it was nine months, I, God gave me a calling. I was at a company that I was getting groomed to be a VP of operations. And I'm not saying that to like, oh, look at me or da, da, da. Again, God always blessed me with business for whatever reason. I was a hard worker and I understood stuff on that end. And um, CEO sat me down and was like, you and your son, my son are going to run it. Um, I mean, I had a whole future lined up. They go, you just got to tell us you want to go to ops. You want to go to sales? Like, where do you want to go? So I had like a, a somebody from my background who had no prospects. No one was really looking out for me. I got to this job through a temp agency. Wow. That's another thing, too. When people tell me I have struggles, I go, I used to move boxes for one day and I spent my gas money on it. I go, but I had to go through t- different temps to where I found this one and it ended up giving me. A set. It was my college, if I'm going to be honest with you, a set of skills I never knew. And so I had this all set and boom, I get the calling. I was like nine months at the time sober. And God was like, you're going to help people and you're going to go get your PhD because I want. So this is before going to church or before anything like going that. to church. You already felt that. I already felt because I always prayed wow. to Jesus. I always that to me was not an issue. And so I remember when he said that he goes. And I want you to get a PhD because you need to learn everything that the world is going to learn so that you can say, yeah, it's like the Apostle Paul. I love it when he says he's like, oh, yeah, I was you in Galatians. I was you plus some. I was you plus some. And he goes and he's basically saying you're still wrong. And so God was kind of I love when he said like man is he's going to make man's wisdom foolish. Right. And it's and it's basically to showcase. And so when I heard that, I'm like, dude, mind you, I didn't read a book till I was 30 because I just cheated my whole way through Every I went to summer schools just to get to the next level. So for me, that was huge to say, I'm going to quit this job that's literally making real, I mean, good money. Because I was single mom, so I was taught, don't depend on a man, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I had no credit cards. I didn't even own a credit card. You know, I, I was just very like that. So I paid my car off in three years. You know, just, I was very like that, but everywhere else I was a mess. And so long story short, I leave the job. felt like I was going through detox because I was so attached to that stressful life. I'm washing dishes, going through episode of depression once again, and I hear a calling to read the Bible. And mind you, I was brought into the word before I was brought into church. And I thought in my head, I go, you are tripping. There's no way you're calling me to read this Bible. Cause I don't even own a Bible. I think I had like a, a motel Gideon Bible. You know what I mean? Like those maroon <laughs> bad boys that I couldn't even read. And I remember watching a movie that they showed that they had a Bible app. That's how I knew there was a Bible app by the way. Cause again, no social media, none of that. I'm like old school on this end. I get the Bible app. And before I even did that, I was thinking, no, I'm, I'm tripping. Tried eating food. No satisfaction, you know, movie, nothing. People don't realize if God's calling you to something and you don't do it, 
best believe you are not going to get your peace until you do what he calls you. At least that's how he was with me. He was like, <laughs> try doing all the. I just felt uneasy. And so I said, I was like, fine, I'll do it. Downloaded the app. I was reading nine to 10 chapters a day. I could not put it down. I was pissed. I didn't know what I was reading. I was a woman in Genesis. I was like with, with no discipleship. I had no clue, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop eating it. I, I couldn't stop. So I did that for a month and then 10 months in, um, it was Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday was my seven years at our church. And so it was, it was, oh. it was Easter Sunday. And I remember having the biggest pity party, man, with balloons and everything. Cause for whatever reason, that holiday, which we normally spend as a family, everyone dispersed. I don't know why I, I was by myself. And I was having a pity party, party one. And I was like, is this why you got me sober just to sit by myself? And I can hear God say, he goes, open your wallet. Or no, he said, what's today? And I'm like, Easter. He's like, well, you've been studying the Bible. Where would you go for, if you're studying a book? I go, school. He goes, what's school for the Bible? I go, church. I don't have a church. He goes, look in your wallet. I forgot about the flyer. I actually had two flyers in my wallet, one for Raul Reese's church and one for ours. And I almost feel like it was a prophetic thing because my mom... The one who, and that's another story. She had a hard time when I was first going to church. It was not a supportive thing. Fast forward, I actually was the one that gave my mom the salvation prayer. So people that are struggling in that, keep faith, keep walking by example. Don't talk about it. Walk it. But my point is, that's the church she goes to. Is that So it's almost like God's showing me, like, not just you, but also your mother. And so wow. I go, I pray over this thing. I didn't want to go. I had no makeup on. I had no interest in church or church people because just like anybody else i thought everyone was hypocritical i wasn't raised around it i drive up you know all you know sourpuss like all sad and and mad and i will never forget seeing these young kids on the corner with the signs bro (laughs) saying welcome to church and immediately that did something to me because i remember i was doing blow at 17 so to me i'm like i was slanging out her house at 19 so i was like yeah, I remember what I was doing at your age, and it wasn't that. And I so respected that. You you couldn't have paid me to do that, actually. So that alone was that. Then I get in parking attendants. I'm actually hooking up every single man. I'm going to give them a shout. Parking attendants. VIP spot, dude. I felt like VI. As soon as I drove up, I'm trying to figure out where I'm even going. I don't know if they could smell I was new, but they straight up gave me a parking spot, like almost right in the front. And I'm like, what's up with these people, man? They're like super nice. They're either super fake or super, something. something this something sounds up. like a great Yelp review. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, I'm not playing. And then I get out of my car. First person I see as a greeter was my best friend, Betty. So I didn't know Betty. Wow. And she's greeting me as if we've known each other for 20 years, like hand signs and everything. I'm flipping out because I'm a blackout. So I'm like, oh, my God, I partied with this chick. I literally, that's my first thought. So I'm like, how do I know you? How do I know you? How do I know you? And then she goes, hi, my name is Betty. What's yours? I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. You don't know me. I'm like, and, and, and it kind of took off from there. And I remember she's like, hey, where are you sitting? I'm like, no, nah, I'm straight, dude. I'm just going to be in the back. And she's like, no, 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 I got you. I'm like, oh, I can't shake this chick. And so I so I sit to the back, sinners roll, you know, right there in the back on the left corner. And I remember Jen Gutierrez and Adrian. On different occasions, they came up and introduced. And I was kind to them. I wasn't, like, mean or anything. But as soon as they walked away, that was kindness for no reason that I didn't understand. Were you and, weary of that? Oh, for sure. Oh, I, no, I used to. Dude, I, I 
sized up every room I went into, including the Salvation Room. That's a little confession right there. I, I because that was where you right. know. And so when they walked away, I just remember having, and mind you, when I got to church, I could not say Jesus's name out loud, which is crazy that he gave me these callings and all this stuff. And I had, I, Rachel laughed. She goes, girl, you were the woman with seven demons. Like she, 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 she said that to me and I started laughing because I do believe I had a spirit on me that hated worship. Cause I remember the worship team coming up and you already know, Brandon, they're amazing, like straight up gifted, anointed from God, but I couldn't stand it. Literally, I literally heard voices saying, look how fake everybody is. They're not real. They're not really worshiping. And God delivered me on the spot. He goes, at least they can say my name. Boom, deliverance right there on the chair. And I remember putting my head in my my lap and I just started weeping. And, Paul, and me crying in public, mind you, did not happen. So, um, like, I just had tons of those experiences. And so, long story short, I did not get saved my first round the first day there because... Of my pride, I didn't yeah, want to so raise you're my, still did not want to raise my hand, bro. I was still fighting. And Betty was like, can we go to lunch? I was like, nah, I'm good. And I literally like rolled out and she was like, dang. She's like, well, can I see you next week? And I remember in my program, if you were going to say, because they're trying to teach you to be integrity, meaning do what you say, you can't back out. I said it to be polite and I was going to flake. But then I was like, oh, I felt immediate conviction. I always tell Benigo, girl, God has a hand on you. Because anytime I felt a certain way, he was like, er, not her. And so I remember I showed up the second time purely out of just, I wanted to be a woman in my word because that's what my program tells me to do. Awesome. They did a salvation crawl. I'm not even kidding. It felt like someone grabbed my elbow. No one was there. Someone grabbed my elbow and lifted my hand. And I was, I was literally shaking. And then when they were like, stand up, I go, oh, you ain't getting me to do that. That hand's one thing. You ain't getting me to And it felt like somebody was going like this to my two elbows and stood me up. And I remember I went in to the altar call and Pastor Carl was the one that gave me salvation, the salvation um, prayer. And I remember going into the salvation room and my, my tears dried up like this because immediately now I'm in a room full of people I don't know. I'm sizing everybody up. I'm looking at my exit. And I and it, and they were asking me to fill out something da da, da and I I, don't, I didn't understand any of this right I didn't understand what just happened and I remember there was a woman weeping and all I could say was I'm filling it out bitter I was like good for you at least you didn't cry I'm like I can't even cry right now I'm like all right you know so I, I'm just filling it out so I can get out of this room <laughs> and I remember she goes I don't have my address because I'm in a rehab and God goes you don't know this but you know that go hug her. I go, you ain't getting me to hug her when she swings on me. And we start fighting right here in the salvation room. I ain't trying to do all that. So I was like, nope. And I was like, I slid the thing. Dude, say this is her. I'm walking right here. This is how, look at Apostle Paul says, do you want the rod or do you want the love? Like, and sometimes God gave me the rod because that's how I'd listen. I went almost like right past her. And he goes, you better do it. Cause you know, I ain't going to give you peace. If not. And I just turned around. I threw my arms around her and I go, I'm 10 months. You can do it. And I just started rapping with her right there. And um, I remember the person that was running the room at the time, he came after me and he goes, oh, such, I had so much arrogance because of my pride and my fear. It all stems from fear. But I had such an arrogance to me of like a wall of like, I told him, I go, oh, you don't know what I just, you don't know nothing about that. He goes, try me, I'm 16 years. And I was like, "Mm." like, I was like, "Mm." I was like, all right. And that's when he told me, he goes, look around. Everyone looks cleaned up. He goes, you have no clue the walks that are coming in here. And then it was like, boom, for me. 
And I knew immediately that was my room because I remember I was like struggling in that room. And I remember I was criticizing it as I walked away and God goes, stop criticizing and do something about it. And that's what he, that was always my walk. He's like, and I always tell people that will come to me and be like, oh, did I go? No, no, no. That's a calling then. Do something about it. Don't just sit there and arrogantly criticize something. One, you don't really know about. You're only making judgments off certain things. That, you know what I mean? Right. And I go, and that's what I meant about accountability. Trust me, I'm very hard on my. I check myself probably more than anybody really understands. Because um, I'm always checking my motives. I'm always checking my heart. Okay, what what was that? Why? Because I have... I did not come in this church to social climb. I did. I honestly didn't even want to be social at all with anybody. I came here like a college. I'm reading the Bible. Don't know what I'm doing. I want to understand what I'm reading. Period. That was what I did. And God was like, yeah, no. And so, <laughs> but it was serving. They did the 180 class at the time. And I remember because of my program, I'm like, you don't just take, you contribute. And so I just served to get out of my head. You need me to stack chairs, a booth. What do you need me to do? Like, I was just like, I'm down. And that's how I started making friendships. Wow. That's how I started making friendships. I remember Mark Eileen is because why I was with Eileen at the, you know what I mean? Like I started making friendships. Courtney, we went on a camping trip that Betty planned and seven hours later we're best friends and worshiping and crying on the way down to the mountain. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) God, I was not looking to stay in that way. I was not looking for the Christian, whatever this was. All I knew is that year I read the Bible from Genesis to revelations because he goes you're going to start in genesis because you're not going to appreciate what i did if you don't know where you came from and so i remember doing that and then then i got into deep dives with it right and then when i got hooked up with betty that was just another level because she definitely has the gift of teaching and um, we would just meet up and nerd out on a friday night and i remember laughing because fridays and saturdays were triggers for me because of my past and we would be studying the bible no joke one sometimes like half a chapter seven hours seven hours at a restaurant just geeking out over the word and then it was kind of a wrap from there you know we now have a bible study i wouldn't normally believe that yeah. but since you had my wife for about five and a half <laughs> he goes, and it didn't involve a- the word yeah dude he goes can you imagine i mean our bible study now we did two hours just on one verse in first john i mean people don't realize i go this is not and, a- and, and don't you work that room now Huh? Yeah, so that, well, I mean, I'm one of many, so yeah, I'm, I'm but, one but, of but many. You're, but you're in that room now. I've been in that room for all seven years that I've been at this church. I've had, like, two or three different male, like, leaders in there, but for me, I've been in there for seven years. And I remember that was a big deal, because they normally don't let somebody that's, like, fresh off the gate. And I remember they're like, you need to meet with Ella. That's why Ella always has a special place in my heart. She was my first ministry leader. I love you, Ella. She was my first ministry leader. We went to Starbucks, two, three hours later. I, I, I saved Ello. Nah. Yeah. Like physically? Like, yeah, yeah. No Her, way. Last year. Last year? Yeah. She would have been She would have been dead. Do you mind if I ask that? Like, just do a quick pause? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to brag about myself. Let's do, let me, let me, let me got hear that. Up here. Let me hear. So, so, so we went to the river last year. Okay. Okay. Do you go Parker or Havasu? Went to Havasu. Okay. So we're out there. I'm swimming. You know, it's cool. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Selena... The youngest daughter loses her slipper or or water shoe, whatever. Yeah. And we were on this part where it was maybe three feet deep, and all of a sudden it falls off a cliff. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. she goes down, and I'm like, "Wait, what's happening?" Because I wasn't there yet. Yeah. And then Elo goes after her, but tries to save the shoe at the same time. Oh yeah. So now <laughs> she's multitasking. Now right? They're both drowning. And I'm and so I and she's like, "Help." It, no. it, and I'm like, oh, 
my God. So I go over there, I swim, and I'm like, please don't, like, you know, yeah, push yeah. me down. Like, I'm going to help you, but let's stay up together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get Selena, I, pu- I push her. Yeah. She has, like, a little vest on, so yeah. I push her that way because the, the current was taking her. Yeah. And Alatrina, yeah. she's panicking. So I get her, and I push her, and I'm looking, and Joey's on the boat, her, her husband, everybody. <laughs> and he's, he has his hands crossed, and he's shaking his head. And I'm like, bro, I'm I'm dying trying to save. You're like, I'm like Mitch Buchanan over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like some people stand in the darkness, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yo, so I I push her. Yeah. So then I, I'm, I think Pastor Adam comes and he's grabbing her to pull her over too. Yeah. And then I'm just exhausted by this time. And I'm like, throw me something. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm still having to swim. I'm not. Which, on, by the on, way, on the people ground. don't realize that's how people, even if they're good swimmers, drowned. Yes. Is literally that what you just yeah. said? So, uh, yeah. So. Um, I, I remind her every once. She in was a while. like this, so Ello, you're welcome. He's like, <laughs> Selena always looks at me with a great smile, and she's just always very grateful. But nah, yeah, dude, no, I love that family. No, she, they're great. I and Ello, like always. That tell was a side story. Here no, and that's everybody. legit, dude. Mitch Buchanan, right here, I dude. That's that's legit. Uh, I used to be Hobie, but now I'm Mitch. <laughs> I stepped <laughs> it up. Sun. I leveled up. I leveled up. Me, I'm like too lazy to get in that water. I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I don't think they'll get it again. You know what the funny part about that? Yeah. So I'm 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 pushing them. Yeah. Melissa's in the boat next to Joey. Yeah. I don't even have. The, I don't. I'm still trying to yeah. help them. Right. Melissa's reaching down, putting on her life jacket. She's standing in the boat. I. She's like, you got this, babe. She's like shaking her head. She's, she's like, like, oh, oh, heck no. She's like, she's buttoning it up, and I'm she's like, like, you got this. <laughs> I was like, why are you putting on life? So I seen everybody drowning. She goes, you ain't getting me to drown today. She goes, in the name of Jesus. I was like, what? I was like, nobody even helped me, man. I was like, Joey's like, I told you, I told you, telling, telling Ello yeah, yeah. and, and Talita. And I'm like, bro. You're like, you and I help. told you, you needed to come assist. He's like, that. Bro, okay, what anybody says about Joey. Oh, yeah. dude. I, and that's what I'm saying. Great such, people, though. Such amazing family. And I think kept it real you know what i mean like just good peeps and so and then they were like you need to have a meeting with pastor adam and i was like sure i'm down because again the arrogance on me right i had such a pride of like i didn't and i remember telling pastor adam i go i'm never going to be a bible thumper just so you know that which is funny because i'm a total bible thumper at my work <laughs> like you name it you, but, mean, you need to stop saying oh, stuff because god always transforms you dude, that, that's like the, what you that's say. the thing yeah but yeah ever since then i got that room and and god has just propelled me but i always joke on anybody that i've ever I had a heart for like newcomers of Christ walking with God because for me, I want to explain to them, dude, it's baby steps sometimes. Eventually those baby steps will go big steps and you'll run and, you know, leap. I go, but for me, my baby step was just not leaving. And I remember Pastor Adam preaching a sermon about just stay on the boat. And I loved that sermon because that was my thing. I used to say. Goes with the theme right dude, here. Dude. Hello. Should have just stayed on the boat. <laughs> right bro that's right that's good come on look at that come on that I was just, confirmation right there that was confirmation look at that <laughs> stay on the boat dude everyone's gonna be like not wanting to go in the water no more they, they think we collaborated before this podcast and, and they're like that, dude right? did you sure you yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Bro, you, no that was god i, I honestly god so but yeah because dave does not tell you anything bro <laughs> i was like everyone's like oh do you know what he's like? i go no dude i literally i feel like i'm on a roller coaster i'm just buckling up not knowing how many dips i'm gonna go through i'm like dude but yeah, no, God's been good though. But I, if I can give that to anybody struggling, feeling like, man, they're not this or that, it really is one step at a time. God gave us 24 hours for a reason. 
You know what I mean? Stay in that 24 hours and it's like, and just keep it simple. I think that sometimes too, when you get too much into certain things, you almost start, I got to live up to this or that or this. And I have to remember, it's like, dude, just keep it simple. I, 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 I love, I love the body yeah. and how God uses the, the entire body and the body for yeah. everybody out there that don't understand is the, the, the church and the people that make yeah. up the church. Right. So Betty, you yeah. probably wouldn't have hanged out with Betty. Oh, no, we laugh all the time. No, no, in the world. Oh, yeah, no. Totally different. Yeah. Right? Elo, totally different. Yeah. Right? And, and Pastor Adam and everybody. Yeah. But God, how God uses everybody, even from the kids in the front yeah. to to people, to, yeah. to the greeter, to two women, you know, Jen and, 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 and all of them. another sister coming up to you and just saying hi. Parking attendants, everyone. Like, that is so vital. Like, people don't realize, like, and it's not, and it's not even that. Like Jen, like just going up to you, but it's it's a little seed, Correct. and then or, and then it's a little somebody planting. It was a seed. Their of, obedience. Uh, yeah, it was a seed of the kids being right there, and you're, you're like, okay, this is okay. That's already hitting me. Yeah. And you then you show, and they greet. Okay, why are they being nice to me? And then the people come up to you, and then it's Betty, and then it's all this stuff, yeah. and it's like, I love how that bot, but I really love how God takes that perspective. Yeah. And he and 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 now he uses you. So now he's yeah. saying your background, yeah. where you came from, how you uh uh interpret people right away when they come in, right? <laughs> I don't know. I already you know, and, and it's not judging. Like you no. don't think it's judging. No. But it's like a little bit of discernment, a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of like or a lot of girl. I know where this person's yeah. at. Like I, I always feel like me and Melissa could tell like with married couples like yeah. i know and we know yeah. when they're struggling like i could just tell yeah i'm like hey and but god uses that and god use you yeah. to really see people in the church and i think it's amazing how god can put all these different stories and use all these different people for yeah. for for good oh dude i and that's what i'm saying it's only god like no way could i have conducted any of this because like i said M Lindsay's brain me on my own i was like i'm coming to take I'm out. Don't talk to me. Like I genuinely had that mentality and God just planted me. And, and I, but I'm saying accountability. I keep pointing to accountability because there was times I wanted to leave. There was times I, I was in my own head, right? All these different things. And mind you, we're all in this canoe together. Ain't nobody perfect. Right. When I, when I feel a lot of times when I have strife with someone, it's probably because that's the person that God's actually trying to connect me with the most, to be honest with you. Or, a lot of times God's like, why don't you pray for that person? Because as much as you think they're looking at you the wrong way, they might not even realize they're looking at you. Do you know what I mean? You don't know what happened to them in the car right on the way up. God's showing me grace in all of these things. And so, you know, me and Melissa were talking about that. I actually try to do things in action to counteract those thoughts. And with the judgment thing, oh yeah, God, I'm very with the word says, the measure you judge is the measure you'll be judged with. So I'm like, you know, Lord God, I... I'm genuinely, I have a heart for when I see someone feeling lost, alone, um, like they're not getting it. That that does something to me because I'm just like, dude, he went after the one. You know what I mean? That prodigal, there was a something about that where I'm like, no, dude, don't, don't go to the snares of the enemy. Don't allow him to lie to you all the way out of these doors. And it has to be with connection. Rachel, we call it our Shalomi nights. Shalomi, Shalomi is a shout out to my Shalomis. <laughs> she opens her. Um, are we doing good on time, by the way? We're I'm, good. Okay, don't I'm worry a, about you it. You know me, dude. I'm a talker. So, literally, it was during the pandemic. Uh, you know, we were we were always actually. She invited me. I take that back. Five years ago, I was two and a half years in my walk. I had a little slip, not with drugs or alcohol, but with something else, and I had to get. 
a touch of fire of a past. And um, thank God it was only two occasions where I touched that fire. And I, and I but granted, I was not getting discipled. I was so scared to be discipled. I saw Courtney getting discipled. I saw Helen getting discipled. I saw Betty getting discipled. And I was like, oh, good for you guys. But I was like, no one's, I did not trust women telling me what to do because of what I've experienced so far. A lot of the people that had authority over me abused it. And so um, that was like, again, I felt like an abused dog where I was like, oh, you know. And um, But after that slip, I knew my booty was on fire and she had a bucket of water. So I literally <laughs> ran to her. And, you know, so when people try to tell me, like, all the excuses of not getting discipled, one, I always say I have empathy for them because I do understand that it is scary. So I'm not, I'm not bashing nobody on that because I was petrified for two and a half years. You have to be ready. You have to be ready because I could give you tons of advice, but if you're not willing to listen or take it, it's literally going against the wall. And on top of that, you're actually robbing somebody else who is ready. Right. That could be using that. And I always tell people that I disciple, I'll give you my time, energy, and resource. But the one thing I will not do is want it more than you. Exactly. If you are not ready, I will smell it on you in 2.5 seconds and I will just love on you. But this will be ending. I go so, so, so. I tell men that, that all the time. Yeah. When they, oh, oh, I need some advice. I need some help. You know yeah. how I mean? Okay. No. And the first thing that comes to my mouth is, is look at, are you asking me to speak into your life? Are you going to receive what I have to tell you? Yeah. Because I'm gonna keep it 100 with yeah. you, and I don't care if you waste this 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 one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm gonna give you one time. Yeah. But if 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 that's all, if I, that, that's how it goes down, you you're allowing me to speak in your life. If you get yeah. mad at me, it's on you. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep it real with you. Are yeah. you are you doing that? Yeah. And it's just like a little waiver I make them sign, and and, and for sure, you know what I mean? Because I'm just like. Because you're like, no matter what, it's gonna come from this word. Yeah. Right. Everything that I give, it's biblically based. Yeah. A Christian counselor is one that doesn't tell you what they think life is or what the world is. They're going to tell you what the Bible interprets, how to handle these situations, right? And so to me, and I'm very, I'm accountable to Rachel. I'll call her sometimes by a heads up and, and people that know me, I don't gossip or talk. So seven years I've been there and nobody knows each other's secrets. And half the people don't even realize that people come to me come to my house for hours on the phone hours. You know what I mean? And so, and that's God hundred percent, but it started with Rachel just opening up her home because she was already doing it with Betty. They were having dinners every Thursday and Rachel just had lost Ted at the time. So I didn't come to her when it was convenient for her. I came to her at her like deepest sorrow and she served through the suffering and she's actually done um, a sermon on that before. And, um, I knew <laughs> the gig was up. I was like, Lindsay, I can't serve God if I'm playing him. I cannot surrender to God if I'm playing him. So I knew I needed somebody else. And so, and with that relationship and those constant Thursday nights consistently, God is a God of action, right? God says faith without works is dead. Not by our works we're saved, but God is a participating God. And that's what people don't realize if you read anything in the Bible about love and action, it comes in Isaiah talks about consenting and obeying, or you're going to refuse and rebel. Those are our mm. options. I go, he's either. And when, and when God removes, he's going to restore. God removed everybody. Dave, nobody understands on that. When I came to this church, I'm saying everyone, everyone from my past homeboys. I grew up with, I used to pick up from juvie. I'm talking brothers, sisters. I thought I was going to, you know, grow old with gone out of my life. Cause they were too big of a trigger. And it was, it was just really bad. Um, family, 
when I got sober, I didn't tell my family till eight months. They did not like that. I got sober. Why it broke a covenant that I had with them. Um, job, everything about me. I mean, I gained like 60 pounds or 70 pounds. I mean, I literally God went like this to my old identity and said, I'm going to break you down to build you up. I am going to remove to restore. And people, I think when they hear the removing part, that's when the negotiations come in mm. and they're like, wait, wait, wait. But if I do this, I go, you're trying to play God, dude. And I'm not saying like play him. I mean, like play him. Like you're kind of con- like you're trying to get in there with the blueprint and saying, okay, but what about this? Right. And God's like, dude, you either exactly what you said. You're either down to do this change or not. And if you're not, God's not going to push. God's not that kind of God. I, I love when people say he's a gentleman. He's not going to be pushing on that. But Romans 66. Romans 6, 16 changed my life. You are a slave to whatever you obey. You are either going to obey a life of sin, which will lead to death or obey a life of God, which will lead to righteousness. Right. And and that to me changed me because that made me understand I am a slave no matter what people in the world that aren't saved think, oh, you know, I, I'm free. I go, no, you ain't. You are a slave to perversion. You're a slave to violence. Mm. You're a slave to obsession. You're a slave to something. It's just a question of who's what's the name of your God. And I say that even the, the men at my work, like I work at a warehouse, I run it, I work the forklift and these guys are from like Norwalk, Montebello, I mean, tatted up, da da And we, I talk about that, I'll come and start screaming worship <laughs> and I sound like, you know, like a seagull, you know, I ain't getting on the worship band anytime soon, but I, I'll sing with my whole heart. And I've told guys like that because I remember saying, I go, at least keep it real. If you're going to listen to satanic music, and I mean, one of my members actually, like, like it's legit satanic music. I go, you went from worshiping God. He used to be on his worship team. And I go, how did you go from worshiping God to worshiping Satan? And he looked at me, he goes, don't say that. And I go, I'm never going to. One thing I won't do is lie to you because he's already doing that. I go, no one can make you worship. You sing that with your whole heart. You're going to get what comes with it. You know, so long story short, going to all that. Um, and I just say those things. Those are, those are like the little things that God has just put in my head to kind of get me there. So go to Rachel's, you know, fruit for fruit, seed, seed, seeds. I mean, watering, God's growing me. Pandemic hits. I opened, they, that's when they promoted me. I'm opening up a building literally May 2020, dude. Like not the greatest time to open a building. <laughs> um, and Rachel and Betty were kind of going around this area of me leaving the 12 step program. Because what I was identifying with, I was saying I was an alcoholic. And, you know, when you're in those programs, and I'm not bagging because they, it, God used that program, man, to put so much foundational work in me from just the integrity to, you know what I mean? Like so much. And I always called my God Jesus, always. Um, But she was, they were, you know, long story short, because of my relationship with them, I fully now just serve the Lord since 2020. Like I, you know, and God, and I remember she telling me, she goes, Lindsay, it's like Peter. Cause I thought I was abandoning it. She goes, no, you're going to lead him. She goes, Jesus is going to say, cast that net one more time. And he has been doing that. I mean, I remember part of my walk, even this year, I was like, Lord, I was struggling in school. I was like, man, is this really what you call me to? Right. As I said that probably a week later, all of a sudden people from the youth started calling me out of nowhere and just asking me for, you know what I mean? I've seen breakthroughs and I, which is all God's glory, but God was, that's what I'm telling anybody. I'm like, dude, your feelings are so fleeting. 
hang around first off make your circle legit you're the average of who you hang out with if you hang out with gossips guess what you're going to be a gossip you hang out with people that are genuinely trying to live this bible i remember courtney came over the other weekend and we talked for like six hours about our week challenging each other about how we're going to apply the bible better this week like <laughs> ironing sharpen you know what i mean and we do that with i do that with all my crew and i'm like that is something that I thrive off of because I want to be better. I do not want to stay where I need to. I do not want to go backwards. I feel like in the Bible world, I'm like, I know the truth. Where am I going to go? We're out. This isn't a game for me. And I think that's what people are like. I'm like, I don't deal with all this because this is literally my life. If I'm out, I am out, out. I'm talking like six feet under. Or I'm going to the loony bin or jail. One of those, you know, three. I go, that's my story. I go, so for me, when I go, I'm genuinely with all my heart trying to live this word the best I can. Do I fail? Yes, we're human. That's what I think. I go, but it's the effort. It's the fact that I know that it's not my love for God, but God's love for me that gets me through every single day and surrounding myself with that iron sharpens iron, getting discipled, being accountable, serving through the suffering. You know what I mean? The whole enchilada, I go, and I got something that I can't pay for. That's peace. Dave, I can honestly say, even with all my stressfulness and certain things that I have, the one thing I learned that God gave me more than anything was peace and contentment in all circumstances. From you know? somebody that didn't have that for the, her whole life. Oh, dude, I was labeled a chronic depressant for my therapist. I had panic attacks. I didn't realize those were spirits as well. I mean, I'm talking like I had to learn how, and mind you, I'm going to school, study. I studied under a neurologist, so I could go that, you know, way or whatever, but I understood medications didn't help me. It was literally the hand of God. Now, granted, even in the church, I was on antidepressants just to get me to that next level. So I'm not questioning anybody saying my thing is, though, continue to get in your word every day. Do you spend time with them? that's like the first thing I ask people when they go, hey, I'm struggling. I go, tell me your routine with God. Like, like, what's your relationship like? Have you opened your word? And if they say no. That to me is like, and it's not to cap on them because I get it. It's the basics. I just, exactly. It'd be like you saying me and Melissa have a great marriage and you don't sleep in the same room. You never talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you even, do you even know her? Yeah. You know? And so that's to me where, yeah, to me, our trials are going to become our testimonies, right? It says in the book of James right there, it's like, you're going to thank him for the trials. It'll produce perseverance, character, which produces character, which produces hope. You're getting sharpened. No one great came from something easy, right? you know, but I always tell people that feel like they're just failing. You're not failing. You're just in the struggle. You're just in it. You're getting, you're getting molded, dude. Yep. That crap hurts. I was like, yeah, like I can't name how many times I felt like I felt that rod more than, more than something else. But I knew <laughs> that he disciplines the one he loves. Yeah. And I think that's another thing too. Love was twisted for me. I didn't understand biblical love. You, you, you were you know? used to being punished. I was either punished, left, or overly given things I shouldn't have been given. I, I tell people there's a yeah. difference. Yeah. You, like, you were probably used to being punished. And like, what are these people trying to do? That's why you didn't want to, oh. that's why you didn't want to be discipled or anything. But discipleship and discipline, it's, it's out of love. And it's giving you instructions on how to live better. Dude, I tell people, go to 1 Corinthians, go to Romans. Romans, you can't run from. So someone's going to read Romans. <laughs> All those excuses of I can't understand the Bible, out the door. Because Romans is like black and white. This yeah. is how you live. Um, but it says it all over the Bible. It's like yeah. God's saying it's, you're disciplining yourself, right? It's, it's like almost like he compares it to an athlete, right? The book compares it to an athlete. It's like, dude, there, you think there's days I want to get up and do the right thing? I go, I wake up 
and cognitively say good morning, Jesus. And I'm doing that, not again, not to pat myself on the back because I wake up, I have inflammation, I have some health issues, whatever, um, that God has been just, again, helping me. And so many year, year after year, but when I first got sober, man, my health went to a different direction. It was like paying the piper, like, girl, you haven't been a doctor in like a decade. Here you go. Um, and, but these things I do, I'll put worship music right on. No one taught me these things. I had to learn how to live in the, with God and be, I, not be of the world, but in it. And so, like I said, the morning I wake up, I, I, I acknowledge his name and presence regardless of what I feel like in the morning. Even if I'm pissed, whatever, I immediately put worship music on because I already know the battle's starting. And I go, and then I go straight into my word and I go into prayer and meditation. Meditation for me is just listening. It's sitting in silence and waiting for him to come, right? I go and, you know, worship music. I go, I, those are the basic things that I'm doing of putting on his godly armor just to prepare myself to get out of my house. Right. You know, and so that to me is something where I, when people come to me and they're saying how bad it is, I'm like, and I can give them all that. But if I'm hearing that nothing's getting applied and no one said it's easy, by the way. So someone's like, oh, it's so hard. I'm like, woman with seven demons. I, I used to actually laugh at some scriptures. I knew I, I can go on and on. We don't got that kind of time. But my point is it's doable. Right. I think I think yeah. you're a testi- testimony of that. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I mean, for a hundred percent. I mean, if somebody tries to come up, get get one over on you, yeah. you're just like, no. Yeah, no. I can smell it. I used to. I've sponsored women from all ages, all walks, all walks. I'm talking women like gangsters, like knives in there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, but um, but literally, that that's my thing. Is whoever it is, it's like, what are your options? Yeah. Because the world is going to promise you what only God can give. That's just hands down. And so when people try to say like, oh, it's this or that, I go, you will be a slave of whatever you obey. Just know that. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I appreciate you coming out. Bro, this was, I felt like a lot more, like midway. I was like, all right. <laughs> I tell everybody, once you get going, it just, it, you forget about the camera. Yes. And you forget about the lights. Yes. And the, everything and the, and the mics and, and, yeah. and you just start going. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I knew you wouldn't have a problem. Oh, dude. Thank you. It was amazing. Nah, you guys are a great family. I love getting to know you guys more and more. So, And honestly, Dave, this is amazing that you're doing this. And again, I, I saw you in Melissa's podcast. Just killed it. I thought I said, I go, I told her, I go, girl, if you guys can flirt like that at 29 years, you know what you're talking about. I go, so I Still go. Still in love. Yes. And, it's not, and it's not an act. No. And, no. and you would know if it was. Bro, that's what I'm saying. Hey, real <laughs> recognizes real. So, yeah. So we do one last thing. Oh, Lord. Jesus be with me. It's called the Street Gospel, Furious Five. How furious are we getting? <laughs> All right, hit me with it. You ready? I'm ready. Let's just dive in. Question number one on the Street Gospel, Furious Five. All right, my hands are sweating. If God fearing, Bible believing, sister in the Lord, Lindsay, got into a fight, how would she do? Seven years later. Oh, that's a good one because that's actually almost happened to me. I obey the word. So for me, um, but would you read? But would, do you think you'd still be able to scrap? Oh, hands down. <laughs> I'm sorry. That I didn't realize the question. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that you're getting all spiritual. I was, I, was like, about- I was like, by the name of Jesus, no, yeah, no, hands down. I, and I and I think that's where my confidence comes in that because look at I men work for me that are scrappers and I remember I had to stop a fight one time at my job 
And I go, if you got hit in the face right now, I told him just like this. I go, you get hit in the face. You know how to defend yourself? And that tripped him out. I go, then what do you have to prove? <laughs> so to me, look at, I'm not looking for it. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm the toughest, whatever. I just know I can handle my own. But I'll, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at, leave it at that. Leave, leave, leave it right there. <laughs> I'll leave it right there. Yeah. Question number two on the street gospel okay. fierce fight. Obviously, Jesus replaced yes. the drinking and everything. a lot of stuff. But what do you do physically to kind of help? You know, I, I do a little jujitsu. It, oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it leaves, relieves some stress. Do you do yeah. anything physically or any hobby wise that gets you like, okay, I need to, I need to recalibrate here. So for me, it's really just sitting still. If I, if I know it sounds so weird. I used to be a gym rat, hard to believe. But back in my heyday, I was like Danny Bonaducci, dude. I could run five miles with a cigarette in my mouth. Like, I literally could bust that. Not so much anymore. God's working on that. But uh, you run with Danny Bonaducci. Oh, dude, because I remember that. Do you remember that he's on the treadmill? And he'd be ripped. And then he'd be running down Hollywood Boulevard. And he'd be smoking. smoking. I'm like, dude, that, that used to be me. Straight up. I was, it, so I used to run like I five. I was the only one that remembered that. Nah, dude. I was like, I could run five miles in like 45 minutes with a cigarette in my mouth back in my heyday. <laughs> but no, nowadays, honestly, for me, because... Of the ministry I do and everything with work, I just have a lot of heavy mental stuff for me right now. Um, I'm hoping it changes into physical like workout, but it really is just getting home and recentering. So sometimes it's putting on a movie, to be honest with you, or putting on a show, or even watching a sermon, or like. And sometimes I'll honestly, I'll even just worship in my living room. I know it sounds, I'll just like take off my shoes and I will just get it released in that way. But for me, quiet time is something that my brain needs to recalibrate. And I think, you know, Jesus did that all the time. He had to step away. That's literally not saying like, oh, that was, you know. But for me, I, I have to get quiet time in order to get me kind of leveled out. So my couch, that's my baby right there. I'm like, girl, we have a date. Me and you. <laughs> oh, she's a girl. Yeah, she's a girl. I was like, I ain't sitting on no dude couch. I was like, oh. <laughs> Question number four on the street, Gospel Furious Five. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, Dave, you got to hit me with that. Because that means I got to get real vulnerable with this one. I do see myself married, if I'm going to be honest with you. God gave me a word on that a couple years ago, and that's why I probably don't do what most single women like. like Because sometimes like there'll be altar calls and stuff, and all people come up to me, and they're like, why didn't you go up there? I'm like, I God gave me a word on, I feel like, like, I'm like a nun. I've been single for eight years, and I was a girl that never was single, by the way. Never. So, but with God, you know, I literally feel like nuns. I'm like, I just give it, a, like, I'm not going to just go get married to anybody. You know what I mean? So, for me, I do believe in that time. I want to have my license. I would like to be a practicing Christian therapist, um, counselor. I would love to be doing more ministries with my husband. Um, okay. Like kind She's of a claiming that. I'll do like a bachelor's. You know, you know there's stuff, a lot you know? of single mature brothers that watch this show oh, you know what i mean so Lord Jesus. i mean that maybe it's a good thing you don't have social media because they might be hitting you up Lindsay. you Dave, know what i mean they're hearing these stories and they go that girl crazy thank god jesus had a hand on her <laughs> hey i'm like oh lord i've caught, jesus. I, I leave i live a very quiet humble life right now so which i love so if he's down for that i'm down for that you got to serve the lord and have that question question number five on the street gospel of years five go Best place to eat in your neighborhood? Ah, uh, snap. You know what's so sad? I mean, I'm trying to think. I do love 
I'm old school because this is where like it was around the corner from my grandma's and they have one down the street for me. And it's not even like I love taca de ande. Uh, like I love taca de ande. Okay. Like I was raised with it right there on the corner of my grandma's house and they have one in Placentia. And so there's a little part of me that I'll just go and get some like Al Pastor tacos. <laughs> just get like Chill. a kind of, yeah. So to me, like I love uh, Taqueria de Ande and Pepe's is pretty good too down the street. So, so are you more, what side do you lean more to it, in your overall? Honestly, it really depends. Cause look, my grandma didn't teach us Spanish. She taught us how to cuss in Spanish and order food. That gets me in trouble because I'll go to Taqueria de Ande. I go, oh, can I get a carne asada burrito con todo? Then they start going down. I go, oh, my bad. That's on me. Oh, so I then said, you're, you're Italian yeah, now. Yeah, 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 I'm Italian now. <laughs> it really depends. But I, I, I don't know. My, I really resonate with both roots in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, it's kind of both. So dope. Yeah. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming out. Thank you very much and, for and having me. And thank you me. for being a, a, a good friend to uh, <laughs> to my wife. Oh, uh, dude, she's she the, loves you. She's the, I told her, I go, girl, I could read you have no bad motives in your heart. She is a genuine, amazing person. This is awesome, dude, and thank you for having me. I, I feel like this is such a privilege. So. It was great. Yeah. It was great. You, you know, my wife's gangster, too, so yeah. that's probably why oh, I dude, oh, we Oh, immediately. We just were like, yeah, it was awesome. Appreciate you coming out. Right thank on, you. I appreciate everything. That'll conclude this episode of the Street Gospel Fury, uh, Street Gospel Furious Five, Kevin, <laughs> the Street Gospel Podcast. We did finish the Furious Five. We had Lindsay Costa. Make sure you, you uh, check this out. Send it to somebody. Uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We out. <laughs>